Once more on PlayStation Star for The Outer Worlds. PlayStation Stars burns dully. Two-factor authentication required. To continue listening to this podcast, please scan the QR code and enter your credit card number. Game on! Well, hello and welcome Again. to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And if you've entered your credit card information, then you can continue into the world <laughs> of, uh, of pot. No, I'm kidding. Uh, welcome to Triangle Square at a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck. And alongside me is Mr. Chris Figs. Senior Christopher Figros. Wow. Actually, I wanted you to know. Oh, yeah. I, I've never paid attention to it, but the other hmm. day I saw one of my friends and somebody commented on there, and it was someone with the last name of Figueroa. I was like, I've never seen that. And is it just that thing where, like, when you, like, have you ever had a thing where, like, one of your friends or one of your parents gets a car and you mm-hmm. feel like you never saw that car, but then yeah. suddenly you're like, I see fucking Saturn. <clears throat> I, Saturn's a terrible example. They don't even exist anymore. But, White Honda you know I mean? Odyssey is everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. It's like, <laughs> and it's just how it goes. So I don't know if it's just that I've never noticed until it's like I know someone with that last name. And it's like, holy shit, Batman! But no, it's it, funny. It, on Facebook, I met a guy named Christopher Figueroa, and like became kind of friends with him. And then he spoiled Game of Thrones on the timeline, and I blocked him. So. <laughs> Me, I will never forgive that version of myself. No, it's like the this multiverse the, version of me. Yeah, I was about to say, this is what the multiverse brings. Yeah. But that's okay. Uh, if you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. We hope you enjoy what you hear. We're going to get into talking about a number of things. If you are a longtime listener, uh, you may realize that we were not here last week. Uh, Chris's internet crapped the bed while his uh, policy holders for his internet were... AFK, <laughs> mm. AFC, away from country. But um, <laughs> yes. that's okay. Uh, we're back up this week. Unfortunately, where it comes down to is Chris and I's schedules don't really line up a whole bunch, uh, sadly. And Chris does have a love life these days. So between yes, my do. family life and Chris's love life, we have limited times that we can get together and work together. Um, so is what it is. But we are back. Uh if you're new, we're going to be talking uh, about the news here in a little bit. We got some other stuff going on first. There's a two weeks worth of news, things from God of War going gold and stuff happening with the Microsoft uh, Microsoft Activision acquisition that's still going on. And uh, apparently the Outer Worlds wanting to come back around to PlayStation's field. But we'll get into those things and what our thoughts are on them shortly. Um, we always start the show off in a really simple, time-honored way of checking in on what each other's been up to, what we've been playing. And Chris, I got to tell you, man, this is one of those days where I, you haven't said anything, so it's a good sign because I know that right now on your screen, I'm large, large yeah. enough that you can see my features. But I went to a new barber today because I've been needing to get a haircut, something fierce. <laughs> and my hair is fine. I think it looks about like I expected. But I asked him to hit my beard because I've also been being... I basically jumped the gun and did no shave September. <laughs> Fair. So I needed to be trimmed up. And he's like, well, what do you want me to do with the beard? I was like, oh, just shape it up to what it is, which he did not do, by the way. <laughs> uh, and it was one of those moments where like... I was leaned back in his chair and he had like done the bottom part first. And I was like, okay, cool. He's like, I can feel where he's at. And that feels about where I'm usually hitting it. So good. 
Then he moves up to the top and I'm sitting there eyes shut because I'm trying not to, you know, look at this dude's face while he's hovering above me. But then I feel the tremors go and hit a spot on my face and I'm like, that feels too low. It's too late to do anything about it now because he's already cut and the other side needs to match. So I kind of just accepted it. But uh-huh. I feel like if you look at me, on the, if, if anyone's on the video thing, my mustache is so much more pronounced because he pulled my hairline about an inch or more down from where I usually have it connecting back into my mustache. And I don't really love it. <laughs> like the upside is, is it grows back. It's not like, you know, it's, it's not like I got a tattoo of a beard and the guy fucked up or something. <laughs> but <laughs> it really, it, the guy did a great job and my beard looks great if this was a style of beard that I do. I don't, and so it's it's just put a, a a kind of a downward haze on my day since I've gotten my haircut. Right, I think you look wonderful, despite you, being Chris. in two forty p. You look you look beautiful. <laughs> Am I in two forty p on your screen? Yeah, I mean it's all blurry, and so that I think your I think your internet's still better. broken there, buddy. Let's <laughs> hope not. <laughs> you look crisp. Either oh, that I? or my 4K camera is failing me, or Cam Link is failing me. Something's well, whenever, going. On. Whenever we record on Zen, you look worse. It always like brings the bit rate way down, so it just looks blurry for me. It's interesting. But nice to know you can. But see you know me. what? I can see you, and I can see that you have a game in the background, which looks to be Horse Game 2010. Yes, I think. Sure, yeah. it's Red Dead sure. Redemption. I don't. I don't want yeah. to lose my progress on the mission. So, yeah, gun with less Indians, as the game calls it. <laughs> Jesus, yes, gun with less <laughs> Indians. Brett, can I say I was very? I don't know if disappointed or surprised is the right word, but okay. you have yet to comment on the fact that I had an ADHD flare up and decided to start to collecting uh, PlayStation Two games and spent like three hundred dollars in a week. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't have input. Yeah, I've been very busy. But here's the here's the flip side of that. Mm. Last week, I too once again acquired a PlayStation (laughs) Two. So if you want to if we want to start at that point, we're more than that's that's a great launching off point. I I, before I even say about mine, because some people saw I did post it on Twitter uh, to an extent because I was talking about I have a backwards compatible. PS3. So I don't really have a need for a PS2 or so I thought. Uh, so that led me to being like, well, now I need to get it. But uh, what was it that kind of spurred you randomly deciding that you wanted to get a PS2? <coughs> well, after so, years so, of hardcore PS3 collecting. Yeah, I'm still doing that, which is really bad. But um, no, I was listening to Sacred Symbols and Colin kept talking about the getaway. And I was like, I've never played the getaway. Okay. I want to play the getaway. So I'm looking on eBay and I'm like, Oh, it's eight ninety nine. That's not bad. And then just bought it. And I'm like, I can't play that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I said, okay, I guess I'm doing this. Started collecting. I bought. Let's see. I bought Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I bought mm-hmm. Slugfest. Did you buy the Quidditch game? You got to buy the Quidditch game. I'll we buy talked the about game. it on the show. Now you got to. I will. So I bought. Watch it be thirty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, MVP 5 which is the greatest sports game of all time. Uh, Tony Hawk Underground 2, and then I have Twisted Metal Black coming. So that's oh, my you little lineup. You so bought far. the worst of the Undergrounds. I know. Thug 1 is way better. I didn't realize that. 
it was just kind of the one I saw. It's not even the one I well, wanted because it's not the one with Spider Man. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's Pro Skater thing, Two, look. I think, right? Yeah, you can play <laughs> Spider Man on the moon. Is it? No way. I played I that think... on PS2. I never owned a PS1. <sighs> that game may have still released on PS2. Now you have me questioning. I thought Tony Hawk Pro Skater Three was the first one to be. Um, released on the next-gen consoles, but I could be wrong. Let's see. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 released on PlayStation, Game Boy Advance, Microsoft Windows. Uh, where did it suddenly decide to do? I hit more. Why didn't you go through? <laughs> Wikipedia is pointless. Now I know what my teachers were talking about in high school. <laughs> uh, let's see. PlayStation 2 is not on that list. It is PlayStation, Microsoft Windows, Game Boy Color, Dreamcast, Game Boy Advance, Mac OS, Nintendo 64, Pocket PC, and iOS. So if it is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, it is one of the Pro Skater games, but it must not have been that. Maybe I played um, uh, Pro Skater 2X, which was the Xbox remake. The Xbox remake, yeah. And he might have been in that. Because the idea was that it was uh, it was never soft, and they were the ones that made the Spider Man PS2 games mm-hmm. or PS1 games. Uh, great games, actually. Spider Man 2 Nitro Electro. They're, I mean, I'm they're looking, really bad now, but yeah. they were fun. I'm looking at um, the new features in the Tony Hawk 2X remake, and it's so funny because it's the same list you'd see now. It's like, oh, new levels, custom soundtracks, multiplayer support. Improved graphics, 60 FPS, motion blur. <laughs> this is just the same list as a 2022 list. This is the, yep. the Horizon New Dawn and the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2X lists are going to be the same list. <laughs> We've got 60 FPS and upgrade improved graphics. Like, oh my that God. That one's going to be an interesting thing to get around to. Uh, that's caused quite the uh, the fuss on social media. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. So, what 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 else? Your PS2 collection. So you have a hand. You said you have Thug Two. Yeah, get Thug, Thug One. If you've not played Tony Hawk Underground One, if you do not kickflip McTwist over a helicopter in life in a video game with a control in your hand, have you truly lived? It's. I mean, if you haven't, if you haven't yelled at Eric Sparrow <laughs> for being a backstabbing <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> You have not lived. That's all I want to throw out there. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was. Um, I will. I will buy that one. But I have Twisted Metal Black, um, Tony Hawk Two, MVP O Five, uh, Slugfest O Four, uh, The Getaway, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and then I'm currently bidding on Silent Hill Two, which is expensive, but I want to play it, mm. and uh, mm-hmm. Persona Four. <laughs> Nice. Which I will not play. How many times can you? My, <laughs> I want it on my shelf. You just want it. Yeah, hell yeah. Well, first and foremost, yes. congratulations. Oh, um, I'm glad you got it. But did did you go fat or slim? PS2. Oh, I think it's like the super slim one. Well, there's only two PlayStation twos. Then the slim. Yeah, there's the fat, which is like. St- 10 times as big as the slim which is my favorite i love the way it looks it's a classic they're arguably the not the smart thing to buy because 
their older sensors and older disk drives and all sorts of things that can be an issue. Uh, so you got the one with the the little flip top. I believe <laughs> so. Yeah, I sent up, you a yeah. picture of it on Discord, but um, yeah, oh, so it was, you it got was it. the best deal I could me, find. Yeah. It comes with. It was 149 came with the console, all the cables, which for some reason people think it's justified to sell it for $100 with no cables. Get fucked. Um, two controllers and a memory card. So I was like, that's a great deal. So I went with that. See, I guess I don't know what pricing is. I have a friend here in town who is a game collector. Mm-hmm. And uh, they off. Well, I put it on my Facebook and they ended up reaching out and saying like, you know, I've got some extra ones. I'm in need of cash. What would you be willing to pay for it? And because I didn't want to spend a ton of money for one game experience, uh, specifically Guitar Hero 2, <laughs> because I love that game. And I have this PS2 guitar and you cannot use it on PS3 backwards compatibility, sadly, no matter what I did. Um, so I was like, I want it so I can try and, you know, we can, my wife and I can play it. Friends can play it. It's just a cool nostalgia trip. Mm-hmm. I got a fat PS2 with all the cables and a controller for 80 bucks. Yeah, that's a better deal. I still, so my original PS2, like my classic one from when I was a kid, I still had up until about four or five years ago. It was like right before we started the podcast. So I guess five years ago. Um, I let my brother borrow it against my better judgment. There's a lot of history there, a lot of stolen games and stuff. But he was on the better side of some stuff. And I let him borrow it. And conveniently, whether or not it's true or not, ended up getting stolen Uh from him. And it was my original fat PS2 with the hard drive uh, adapter on the back for Final Fantasy XI Online, how I used to play. And I was devastated, but I still had most of my memory cards and most of my video games for the PS2. Uh, I just didn't have a controller. I hate that because I had classic see-through transparent blue DualShock 2 that I loved. I adored that controller and it was in mint condition. It was so good. So I'm a sad boy, but I have a PS2 now and I had to go for the fat boy, but uh, I'm glad you got one. It's... It's one of those things where there's uh, Ryan, one of our listener friends from the show who's been listening forever. He he tells the truth. I didn't get rid of the PS2, but I ended up losing it. But there is that part of you that's just like, if you're ever worried about being able to play something in the future, do not give up. Your, don't don't trade in, sell, or anything. Your console doesn't matter what the promises of backwards compatibility are. There will always be an exception to that rule. Yeah, I was saying without, it's one of my friends. Fail. I was like, you know, it's it sucks. Build like I I'm super. I think building these collections has been a really fun. It's nice seeing the collections grow. But I was saying to him, I'm like, I owned ninety percent of these games and I sold all of them. <laughs> Because I used to be like, uh, yeah, we, it sucks. We, I, I mean, being poor growing up, uh, the fact that I didn't sell my PS2, the one thing I would usually keep is the console and one of my favorite games, if not two of my favorite games from that era. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've still got my original copy of Kingdom Hearts 1. It's the greatest hits version. No, actually, is it the greatest hits? I think that's my Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, but point being is I still have most of my original stuff from there, um, a handful of games. And I do that for every system. Like I still have my dreamcast and I still have Sonic adventure Two, one of the best games on that system, but you can't always have it all. So it's, it's, I'm surprised I haven't sold more of my stuff. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't know. As a kid, I used to be like what we make fun of Blake for being. I would just want to play a game, so I would sell my console and all my games to get one game and spend like 50 extra bucks on it and then do it again and then do it again. Dude, PS3 and Xbox 360 era, I probably had four of each. And it's even my mom would say, she's like, you should have just kept it. Then you would have both and you would not have to keep doing this. See, I was wise beyond my years, man. My brother would like sell an Xbox or to, to be fair to him, we had four Xbox 360s and four of the four red ringed in the first Oof. year and a half. That's brutal. <laughs> the first 360 we got and unwrapped for Christmas, red ring directly out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my 360 red ring the day Left 4 Dead came out, and I was so pissed. Rough. Because I was very yeah, excited for that game. Later, he would get systems and he would just sell them constantly. Or he'd get a game. Like, dude, my brother bought Oblivion 10 times in a three-year period. I'm like, no joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. He'd get the original Oblivion and then trade it in. He had it on Xbox for a while. Then I had a PS3 and he bought it for PS3. Uh, since I'd already played it, I didn't have it for PS3 yet. Uh, then he sold it and I ended up buying it later for myself. Sold it again. Then he bought the Xbox 360 Game of the Year edition that had all the stuff. And he bought that version like four or five times. It was ridiculous. Ridiculous. But that's how he is. I know a lot of people who are like that. Like, I'm just going to sell it and buy it again later. Yeah, you have, yeah. You have people like Blake who swear they made money off of it. And maybe Blake did. <laughs> Blake, this is not a value judgment. I'm just saying that can't always be true for everyone. If it's no. been so for you, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I think the week he had a gaming PC. Um, <laughs> I forgot about that, actually. Yeah, that was um, the funniest one. Either way, uh, as a kid, like the thing is, though, as a kid, I wouldn't have played as many games if I didn't trade them all in half the time. So it's, well, you know, give I or get take. you, but I, I finessed that a little bit, right? Mm. It wasn't a perfect system, but typically my system would be that I would just trade friends with the understanding that we were eventually going to trade back. So, like, I remember at one point in time, I had played all of the games that I could borrow or buy over time that I could convince my parents to buy for PS2. And Need for Speed Underground 2 had just come out. And my friend with a GameCube had Need for Speed Underground 2. So you traded him for the GameCube? But he had never played the PS2. And I was like, okay. And he lived a house. There was a house between us. I was in the middle of the country. So, really, he was like probably seven acres away from me. But point being, there was only one house between us, so it wasn't like he was too far. I could go and get whatever I needed. But I borrowed, or essentially we traded, and I traded him my PlayStation 2 for a while, and I had his GameCube for like, I played Underground on it, and he had uh, Legend of Zelda Wind Waker. And those are the two games I got to play on it. And I remember later we did it again when he got Metroid Prime, and I was like, hell yeah, I want to play Metroid Prime. But that was my system, right? Just trade friends for like a little bit or, or wait until friends who had money would just get tired of things and then give me stuff, which I, <laughs> I didn't like. I didn't do that on purpose, but I had a couple of friends who just like... The first time I ever had an original Xbox, my friend Hastings, who had a fairly well-off family, had gotten a 360 and was like, I don't really want this Xbox anymore. And he gave it to me with a copy of Fable. And I fell in love with Fable. But that was my go-to setup, man. You can't get rid of your own systems. You just got to... It's like the... Did you ever do the thing, which I, I guess I could be... It, I don't know how your area is. Did you ride the bus 
growing up? Yes. Okay. I remember as I was growing up, like the unspoken rule of the bus was that like you would find a friend or two and then it became this thing where it was like every week we would bring on that Monday, we'd bring a new toy and we would just swap toys. And it was like, fuck yeah, now I got a G.I. Joe. And then the next week you'd come back and be like, all right, what are we trading this week? And it was like the weird poor kid version of being able to get time with different toys because you would just <laughs> rotate toys throughout everyone. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm jealous I guess, that you managed to keep your collections for that long. Either way, anyone in the community, please recommend me some games. But I, okay, I, but I want to be clear about something. I don't need to be recommended Metal Gear Solid 3. Right? Like, I know that I should play Metal Gear Solid 3, and I have two copies of it already. So, like, give me some hidden gems, you know? Something like Micro Machines version 4 or God Hand, you know, that kind of thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I want to be specific because I, I asked a bunch through. of my friends for recommendations, right? And they're like, oh, have you played Silent Hill? I'm like, yeah, no, I totally did, never heard of that. Thanks for, thanks, thanks. No, very valuable. <laughs> I know that makes me sound like a dick, but it's like, come on. I I've obviously know that I should pick up Silent Hill 2. Tell me something more interesting than Star Wars Battlefront 2. No shit. I want to play that too. Give me something interesting. So there was a series on PS2 that I have adored, and I haven't played it in a long time. So I don't really know how well it's aged because I was young. Sure. But there's a game called, there's a series actually called Maximo. And the first mm -hmm. game is Ghost to Glory, and then I think the second one's Maximo 2. Is just a simple <clears> name. Uh, I remember that game being amazing. Okay. I don't know past that if it was good, but it's a, it's a Capcom game. Uh, very stylish. You know, yeah, you play as a, a warrior that goes through. I see it. And like whenever you would die, like that cut your like your pants off or whatever, like and then like your your armor pants would fall and you'd have like boxers with hearts on it. So it was like Isn't really ghost stylized. And goblins? Maybe. Maybe I'm conflating two different games, but no, I feel like Maximo I remember. is a game, but I yeah. swear Ghosts and Goblins is the one with the the, the underpants. Well what I'm saying is I'm conflating those two. Like I'm, oh, I'm gotcha. somehow merging them. It's possible. Hold I mean, on, Maximo ghost looks glory. Cool. Boxers, I got. I gotta know. This is this is where I'm at. Yeah, boxers with hearts on them. Maximo and Ma uh, Maximo really? too. I yep. could have sworn that was Ghosts and Goblins. Okay. Well, who made Ghosts and Goblins? Was it Capcom? I'm not sure. I think so, but I don't know. Because if it is, maybe it was just that was their way of uh, referencing that within their new game. Maybe. Well, I was wrong. It was Nintendo, Capcom. So. Oh, there you go. Well. Maybe it's just it a uh, through line. Maybe Dante has some heart underpants somewhere. It would not surprise me. But I, I did love like to see Lady D's heart underpants, though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, so now that we're off of that, uh, what's been playing this week besides PS2? Well, I guess you haven't played PS2 because you don't yeah, play I haven't yet, played PS2 yet. That's um, your intention. So what have you actually yes. been playing, Chris? Uh, Slay the Spire, Red Dead Redemption 1. And Overwatch 2. <clears throat> Chris, are you, Chris, are you back on your bullshit? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Slay the Spire. I love Slay the Spire, dude. It's such a good game. Now, riddle me this. Yeah. How did You Should Play Inscription become I Must Play Slay the Spire? <laughs> <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> I think I know. 
it's just I love Slay the Spire. And um, again, shouting out Sacred Symbols, but Colin's been playing it. So every time he talks about it, I'm like, God damn it, I'm going to play Slay the Spire. Fair enough. Uh, there's a game on here that I have to ask you about because you didn't include uh, it, but I know you I started it. Yes, I did start it. I did so like the question. Dark Sector. Okay. If you don't, that's fine. But the fact that you didn't include it meant that you either didn't really start it, like you turned it on and then did your I'm Chris ADHD, I played for five minutes and turned it off. No, I beat uh, um, chapter one and two. Okay, so I'm yeah, not you got terribly far, far, but I played it. He has a weird arm now. Yeah, you you are playing as one David Tenno, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a face and a cigar, and he's a super spy. Namesake of the Tenno from Warcraft. Warcraft Tenno Warframe. Royal Family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tenno Con, all from this one man. Uh, uh, no, I'm, I sick. really man, I want you to come back. To, to I'll, that I'll go back to it. How long? Just is because it? I, I probably like ten to twelve hours max. Yeah, okay, I got stuck. It's out. not a super not, long game. This is a PS3 s- game. Calm down. This yeah. wasn't before every game was open world. This is a linear shooter game. Third That's person a good point. action shooter. It, it might even be eight hours. <laughs> Fair. Listen, I'm I got a lot honest. of PS3 games. Okay, I got a lot of them. <laughs> now I got a lot of yeah. PS2 games. I would say I'd be willing to bet that 80% of PS3 games are shorter than 15 hours. <laughs> I'd be willing to agree. <laughs> oh, so. but Stray was too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to have bought Stray, I would have appreciated every penny that I spent on that game. It was so mm-hmm. good. I loved it. So anyway, yeah, I'm glad you like Dark Sector. You don't have to go too much into it for, for past that. I just wanted to make sure that you didn't hate it. Or no, if you I did, did not hate it. I could I could lament the fact that one of my one of the games I recommended was not for you. No, I liked it. This is one of the games you recommended that was for me. Yes. <laughs> it's like four it's like four not for you, one for you. Hell yeah. Listen, that's a that's a ratio. Not a good one, but it's a ratio. <laughs> yeah, it's a number. Oh, yeah. The other game, um, the other game, I wanted to tell you the story about Overwatch too. So I'm sure you heard that the queue line was just messed up for a whole day. It's just so long. So I get into the game and it's like you're number 500 in line, and I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm just gonna let it sit. <clears throat> Can we take so a step let, back real quick? Yeah, take a step back. Is the queue? Because I want to understand. I feel like I've heard a number of different queue lines okay. for this game. It literally, so I want to make sure which one to we're get into about. the main menu. There is a queue, and then yeah, there's okay. like roll queuing and stuff like that. But there was a line to get into the game, right? So the first time I launch it, I'm in this line. It's probably about takes about thirty minutes to an hour, and <clears> I finally get in, and it and it prompts me to do the two factor authentication, set it up on my phone, whatever, easy mode. So then, <laughs> what it does is say, your settings have been updated, restarting Overwatch 2. So it restarts Overwatch 2 and puts me back in the queue with 500 people in front of me to play the game. (laughs) So I had to wait two hours for no reason just to play Overwatch 2. And Overwatch 2 is quite good. I'm back on my shit with Zenyatta. I love it. But I was not happy when that happened. Man, you know, 
Blizzard in particular, I feel like it makes zero sense that they still have these issues. And maybe it's just that there is genu- it's genuinely an issue that's that can't be solved. Maybe that's all it is. But Diablo 3 had the same issue. Queues, server crashes, all sorts of stuff. And that was a paid game 12 years ago, yeah. 10 years ago, whatever it is. Point being... Diablo 3, a $60 full-priced game, did the exact same thing that Warcraft expansions do every time they release. And the, you're telling me that the moment they decided to make Overwatch 2 free-to-play, no one thought, our paid games already have this issue. Maybe, just maybe, we should try and buy some more server room for the first month, week, day, whatever it be, of Overwatch 2 until the player base kind of levels out and we have an idea for how much actual server space we need to have. How does that happen? Because maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like, and clearly I am because you just said the game is good and it doesn't seem to have detracted you, but I feel like a game's opening moments and like your opening experience with a game if it's so negative or so in the in the face of what the game is, should be trying to do for you, it's just going to work against the game. Would you agree? I mean, do you agree with that up until the point where you have enough fun that it just seems to wash that away or what? Because I feel like for me, if I did that, if I decided I'm going to try Overwatch for the first time with Overwatch 2, they killed Overwatch 1. I can't even play Overwatch 1 <clears throat> while Overwatch yeah. 2 is settling its bullshit. So I'm going to pl- I want to play Overwatch. I'm going to try it. My friends downloaded it, great. And then I wait for an hour, get to the top of queue, get told I have to enter my phone number, which yeah. first of all, what the fuck? Why do you need <laughs> yep. my phone number? That'd be my first thing. And then even if I finally relented and gave it my phone number, which I don't know that I would do, because why? Whatever. But at the moment that I did that, the game restarted and then put me back at the end of the queue, <laughs> I would just fucking delete the game. I would never play that game. See, I'm going to be honest, I think the reason I got it got by me, normally I'd be on your side, but I think the reason it got by me is because I was watching Suits at the same time. So I just went, fuck it. I'll just watch another episode of Suits while it loads. And that's what I did. So <laughs> I guess it's just sheer principle. Like the moment that that's how it goes, I'll be like, y'all, y'all don't fucking care about me. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was at the point that night where I was like, I don't really want to play anything else. So this is what I'm doing or I'm doing nothing. And I decided to play Overwatch. It was worth it because I'm, I'm enjoying the game now, you know. And I yeah. get why they have the phone stuff because it, it, it will try and stop like cheaters and, and um, Smurf accounts and stuff like that if you need an active phone. So I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like it's specifically there because of the competitive scene? Yeah, 100%. Then this is where I come into the thing of why not require that for competitive? Why why not take that requirement away from the get-go and let people come into the game, try the game, play the game, get to grips with the game, and then if they decide they want to go competitive, then go for the sake of competitive you know, integrity, we want to make sure that we cut down on the number well, of fake accounts and cheaters and blah, blah, here into prob- your phone. Probably why, why pre-front load the game with that? Probably for the same reason you should probably find out if the girl you're dating wants to have kids before you get married. You know? If at the start I mean, of Over- Overwatch 2, they're like, hey, you need to put your <laughs> phone number in. Rather than, oh, I just played 50 hours of quick play. I'm feeling really good. I want to play online. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather know at the beginning than 
get integrated in the game and love it and then well, realize a that, feature fine, I want, I can't use same, because I don't want to put thing. my phone number in. The, the, the difference there is, the, the, the difference there to go to your comparison point is, yeah, you should talk to the person about whether or not you want to have kids. But if we're following their thing, that's like having a kid the, the moment y'all get together because you want to have a kid down the line. What I'm saying is you could absolutely do exactly what you're talking about. You could have a thing that comes up and says, for competitive play, we make, we make players. You can give the information without requiring it. You can say, if you want to play competitive, it, you will have to enter a, a phone, which we do for cheating purposes or anti-cheat purposes or whatever it be, and then be like, have fun with the game, bam. You know going into it whether or not you're going to have to do it. You get to make the value judgment whether you want to do it, but it doesn't stop anything. It doesn't make the game reload, <clears throat> update settings, any of that. It allows you to play unimpeded, and then if you decide you want to go forward, you can, which is exactly what happens, right? You, If you talk to the girl and say, hey, you know, we're, we're in the early stages of dating, and I want to have a kid in the future. Do you want to have a kid? And you both go, yeah, that doesn't mean that you're not going to eventually break up before kids ever come into the question, right? Yeah. There you are. Fair. I, I, I see both uh, both perspectives. I would just say that if what happened was what you claimed, like the game never said shit about it, and then suddenly you're like feeling good, I'm going to go competitive, and now it's like, hi, bitch, give me your phone number. That <laughs> would be ridiculous. I could understand that. That's too much. Fair. What have you been playing? <sighs> Ooh, I have been playing Inscription which I beat uh, nice. and highly enjoy uh, <clears throat> just for confirmation on my side, you've yet to beat inscription. You've just played. I've a certain chunk the of the first act. I've never gotten you past were in the second, the second act. act. Yes, dude. Well, you saw it. You saw my crazy combo in the second act. I did, I've, yeah. I've run into a couple of crazy combos in this game. If you are willing the game is incredibly interesting in what you can do. A couple of them ended up not working the way I had hoped, though. Because, <laughs> like, there's so many sigil combinations for the cards that you can get into really odd territory um, that sometimes they cancel each other out when you think that they wouldn't. Um, one of the things I like about Inscription uh, is I'm working towards the Platinum, which I don't know if I'll get because... I think it's got a great trophy list. Don't it's quit. got a trophy list that you just look at the trophies and you get an idea of what you need to do. And I don't know if it's because of that or what, but there are no trophy gods. There was only one trophy that wasn't part of the challenge stuff that I was kind of curious about. And I went to look up a trophy guide and they don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I've yet to see one. So I kind of just assumed... Either the game is too new and too niche or not enough people are trying to platinum it or it's too hard to platinum or something. I don't know. I was able to figure out what I needed to uh, and, and guess my way through the trophy. It's a trophy that's specific to the fact that it's come to console. They didn't change any of the achievement stuff from PC. The wording is all the same, but what you actually have to do is a completely different thing. A completely different thing. Uh, unfortunately, but I really love that. I think that's smart trophy design. Um, and ooh, what was that? Sorry. That sounded like sounded the, like uh, sexy, sexy phone call voice. The, the uh, I do anything to make them come. Ad just showed up by accident on my Twitter feed. I was trying to turn everything off. I'm oh, glad no. they came. 
I'm glad they came too. If you don't know what we're talking about, then uh, blink a few times. Um, maybe 182 times. Maybe. <clears throat> eh, maybe. Yeah, um, a lot of blinking. Yeah, Inscription's great. Mm-hmm. I will continue to play that. And if you've played that game or are looking to play it, first of all, play it. Uh, as long as Chris plays it and beats it, I it, it is on the the docket on the queue for games I want to do oh. a spoiler chats for because okay, it's it. an excellent game and I think it's uh, there's a lot worth talking about with it. Um, Conan Exiles continues to be amazing and it continues to be this little nugget of mystery. It's going to sound weird. I'm loving Conan Exiles for much of the same reason as Inscription. There's so much mystery and like you find something you go, what the hell is this? And what do you do with it? And the figuring that out is so fun. There, um, it, there are vastly different ways of doing so, but it's so fun. Do aliens exist in Conan Exiles? It would seem that is what I'm learning. I don't yeah. know for sure, but I'm finding a lot of very interesting things. Really? <laughs> and a lot of very interesting things are happening. What I lo- what I like about both games is that you learn something, but the thing that you learn just causes twenty more new questions, mm-hmm. and the game is never going to just give you the answers to the questions. They're both they both choose to be vague and make you work and kind of dig to find out the story and lore about what the world is like within them. Yeah. Um, they do it vastly different ways, but. Conan, because it's got so much more mechanics at play, because it's not a card game, um, is really interesting because there's just things you can interact with and things you can build and mm-hmm. m- types of materials you can get and things that you can combine them with that you don't even have to think about. And it leads you to just kind of being like, I'm going to experiment. Right. So you're saying like all the small things in Conan Exiles are really, really help build the game up. Yeah. All the small things. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty dog yeah, eat dog game, huh? Yeah, you know, I don't want to be like, you know, I don't want to be man overboard or anything over here. I'm just saying mm-hmm. uh, this is yeah. Real talk though, Chris, I want you to play Conan with us <laughs> so badly. It just sounds like a bit of a roller coaster of a game. Um it is, but first of all, building continues to be fucking awesome. I, I, I've I've become not clearly not become because it's not but I've finally done the thing where I've I've spent probably as much as the game was worth on the game now <laughs> that I got for free from PS Plus because I just I want extra stuff. Really, I've spent twenty dollars. I bought the Isle of Sipta DLC yeah. so that we could play on that. Also, I realized that most of what I've been getting trophies for is not even building towards the platinum. Most of what I'm doing <laughs> is trophies specifically DLC. for the Isle of Sipta DLC. Yeah. So eventually I will have to play the main world and I might just start doing that as a single player or if you want to start playing as a that. Um, oh, but there's that and then I also bought to build because our uh, island looks sick. So you're really, amazing. Uh, really spending money on Conan Exiles with Reckless Abandon, huh? Yes. Nice. Tw- nice. $20 worth. That, but I have debated to the point where like Donovan and I were working on a new building and he has some of the packs that I don't. So I can't help him build because we're, we're using like a kind of a Japanese inspired building kit, but I don't have the pieces. So I'm having to like mine and collect all the materials and just give him what I can so that he can do all the building by himself. But I thought like it would be easier if I just bought the DLC and me and him could build this together. 
I mean, I get it. That makes sense. But that's this game could ten dollar you to death, technically. Which so can Yu Gi Oh. <laughs> so I don't even want to get yes, into it, that yes, because I recently spent like seventy five dollars to complete my Yu Gi Oh deck, which is like thirteen cards. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. Every once in a while, but, I just spend like twenty bucks on Yu Gi Oh for no reason. I'm like, oh, there's some. Packs. I do that. I do that all the time. But the difference here is at least I spent seventy five dollars on cards that I knew what they were. Versus the thrill of opening a pack, a pack, and having the much higher chance that you're not going to get anything that's that good. Yeah, totally happened. <laughs> you it was kind of fun. I bought a bunch of packs um, when I went out to pick something up for the store. So I just came back. It was like came back with some buttermilk, some eggs, and then like 18 packs of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. <laughs> I'm like, everyone's just like, here you go, open them up. Let's see what I got. Let's see what I got. <laughs> I love that Master Duel has kind of like Yu-Gi-Oh is already massively popular. Master yeah. Duel has just pulled so many more people back into it. So at least if nothing else, they're kind of like lightly excited about Yu-Gi-Oh. Even if they don't understand everything, they're just like, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh is cool. Yeah. I definitely had a bunch of people there like, oh, I used to play Yu-Gi-Oh. That's really neat. I'm like, all right, cool. And then they're like, can I open a pack? And I'm like, sure, whatever. And they're doing like <laughs> TikTok pack openings. I'm like, you guys are fucking losers. Just open the goddamn pack. I need to know what I got. <laughs> <laughs> See, uh, someone the other day did that thing of, you got to make Yu-Gi-Oh content. Why? I just like Yu-Gi-Oh. Can I just like something without having it having to slave over it? Like We should make some Yu-Gi-Oh like, content. No. I I told you that not, I remember I was not looking pack up. openings or none of the stuff that's usual Yu-Gi-Oh content. If we're making Yu-Gi-Oh content, it'll be like dumb skits or something. That's about as yes. far as you're going to get me to go. Yes, let's remake Yu-Gi-Oh, but they're all Hispanics. It's like, oh yeah, bro, <laughs> I'm about to send you to the Shadow Realm, Holmes. Orale. <laughs> oh. No, it's just it's Yu-Gi-Oh, but it's like, did you ever see that old uh, <laughs> old Adult Swim show called Minora Team? No. <laughs> the whole the whole point of the show is that it's just a bunch of cultures that have one person that represents them in this superhero team, <laughs> and it was super crude, and of course played off of like stigmas against certain people and like very stereotypical. <laughs> but that would be the thing, right? It would be like you would have. You'd have this version where it's like the Jewish people versus the Hispanic people versus the actual Spaniards from Spain <laughs> and like all these different things coming together. <laughs> uh, I would I would watch that. I, I would in a heartbeat. We would be, you know, we would be told that we were bad people for watching it. But <laughs> I mean, you know, Whatever. what's funny is funny. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. What I think is weird is that you can't look at differences between cultures and find things funny, the differences between them, without being considered a bigot. It's like, what is that? It's like groups of people who do things differently are sometimes funny to observe. That's it. That's strictly the comedy. As <laughs> but, someone who works in restaurants, yeah. Anyway, yeah, 100%. Well, take it away from anything like that, right? Gamers versus sports people. You usually view them as like these are two different sects of people, but some of the most funny things is watching these two groups of people who often view themselves in such different ways doing the same shit. Like I have a friend yeah. who his his parents would get on his ass and be like, you're just sitting there playing that game. It's like you sat and watched people play football on TV for seven hours. 
Uh, I played a game for seven hours. Now, dude, what football, is the difference? Football is an activity. Just because I'm not taking part in that activity doesn't mean it's an activity. But I, I still think one of the funniest things I've heard is that football is just a turn-based RPG. <laughs> it's pretty true. <laughs> but that's my point. Yeah, true. observations of where things differ and where they align when people think that they do or don't is funny. Oh well. It is. Um, yeah, play Conan Exiles. That's the end of that spiel. Guitar Hero 2, I've already talked about. Great time. Only downside is I could not get the cheat to unlock all songs to work. So I'm going to have to old school this and play all of Rock Band 2 to unlock all of the songs. And that's okay. You you know, we're talking about PS2 games and PS3 games. It's making me wonder what my age is again. It's killing me. <laughs> I have to I have to throw a plea out there to anybody listening. If you owned Guitar Hero 3 for the PS3 and you had the guitar and for any reason you happen to still have the dongle, the wireless dongle that you had to plug in to your PS3 to connect to the Les Paul guitar, if you have that, hit me up. If you could send it to me, I'd pay shipping. That would be amazing because I have the Les Paul guitar in my closet and I have Guitar Hero 3 for PS3 and I cannot play it because unlike later Guitar Hero games, it does not support the rock band guitars that I do have for PS3. So I just can't play it. Absolutely. And it's killing me because Guitar Hero 3 is my favorite Guitar Hero game. Because it was the most video game version of them all. There's boss battles. Suddenly, the like you're you're going against people and they can throw lefty flip on you, and you have to learn how to play the song backwards, like in real time, so you don't fail. And then you have to throw some shit on them. It's it's a such a fun game, and it's got a great set list. So hit your boy up. I want to be able to play Guitar Hero Three. My wife wants to play Guitar Hero Three. Surprisingly, make the dream happen, people. Make it happen. Um. Bone Labs, I bought mm-hmm. a new VR game for that. And I got to tell you, I haven't gone back into it because I played for about 45 minutes to an hour. And it's like when you buy a game on Oculus, it tells you comfort rating. And this one's like extreme <laughs> <laughs> because the game has you doing some pretty wild stuff. Um, it's very physics driven and it's very free movement and jumping and falling and stuff. So you're doing a lot of movement. And I was doing perfect and then suddenly about 45 minutes in, I don't know what it was. It was during a rather, I'm walking flat. There's a cabin. I'm shooting people with a gun. Nothing's going crazy. I'm not even jumping. And suddenly I felt like I was going to throw up and I had to take it off. Like I was sitting there and I was like, can I, can I take a breath and get through this? And uh, I, one more second passed. And I said, if I don't take this off right now, I'm going to throw up. Damn. I didn't even save it or anything. I just <laughs> pulled it off my head and I have not gone back. It's pretty interesting though. Um, cool VR usage. Uh, it does highlight some of the things that I don't like about the quest though, which is such a narrow field of view. It just never feels as immersive as it's supposed to. Like even PSVR felt like it's better because it had like 20 or 10 extra degrees and that doesn't sound like a lot but in your field of vision having that extra 10 degrees is a difference between feeling like your peripheral vision is getting filled with the things and that really goes a long way in helping with immersion um but i had a good time with it and then lastly chris something that i think you should hop on too uh just to throw this out there ahead of the thing 
we got offered free codes for Sam and Max Save the World and Sa- uh, Sam and Max Beyond Time or whatever mm-hmm. the second game is. Um, and those are remasters uh, that have been available on Switch for a while, Xbox for a little bit later. They came out and they just came out on PS4. Uh, you can get each game for $20 or you can get both games for $30. Uh, and they're remasters of old Telltale that I've never played. I've heard of them, and I've seen Sam and Max uh, outside of video games. But it's an old-school Telltale, and I didn't really know what to expect going in because, of course, Telltale, as I know it, the first game that I ever played, I think, was maybe The Wolf Among Us, maybe Batman. I don't really remember um, from them. And so I was kind of expecting that going in, but this is a true old-school point-and-click adventure where you can move your character around, but it's puzzle-solving, thinking through all of the random things in a room that it will let you interact with and how you can do those. So it's basically like a much better looking 3d like day of the tentacle or whatever, which is fun, but (laughs) it's interesting. I I am enjoying it. First of all, good. And Sam and Max save the world. I'm on chapter two. I'm very close to the end of it, but actually Chris, I was playing before we came on to the, before I got on to do the show. And the second time it's happened, and both of the times have been particularly in Chapter 2 where I felt like it was at its worst. The issue that I find myself having is that because of the puzzle-solving trial and error nature of these games sometimes, yeah, there's been two times in this where the game is giving you multiple opportunities to figure out what you're supposed to do. That kind of can act as a disconnect because... It doesn't feel like I should get as many opportunities as I am to figure out what's happening. And they just keep letting it happen and re-saying everything. Like I didn't just have this conversation with them. And it doesn't like reload or anything. It's just like you sit back down. And they're like, oh, here you are. But you get in this thing where like you have to listen through the same dialogue over and over and over as you try and find the right combination of items and or dialogue to get through what you're trying to get through. And that's so different than the later Telltale games where it's like you choose a dialogue and that's it. You're stuck to that and it affects the game moving forward. But that's because they're two very different style of adventure games, right? One is narrative-driven, choice-driven. What you do impacts the future of the game. This is a game with a single end and some things that you can kind of experiment around, but you know you're working towards a specific story. Um so I've had a lot of fun with that aspect of like, ah, there's a bowling ball in my office. And if I go pick it up and drop it out of the window, I can hit this dude in the head. And that has to happen from your own brain. You just have to think like, how can I potentially use everything I can interact with in a way that benefits me? So I've loved that. But chapter two has been somewhat annoying as much as it's also funny because the characters, specifically Max, are really crazy. Um but yeah, I'm having a good time. If you get around to it, I'd be curious to see what your thoughts are. I'm uh, glad that we got this opportunity. But yeah, I just want to make that known. It doesn't change what I'm saying about the game. Clearly, I have some issues with it. Also, there's a bug for PS4, uh, at least that I've experienced in Chapter 2, where if you pause between dialogue stints and you unpause, it'll say the next line of dialogue. And as soon as it's done, it'll just restart that line of dialogue and it gets to become <laughs> a jumbled mess. It, it, that's pissed me off a few times because it feels like I can't pause the game when something right. happens. Um, but yeah, I'm having a good time with it. 
really crazy humor, uh, fun. Honestly, I think the game looks great. The art style really still holds up pretty well. Uh, Max is a real funny character, and Sam is a is a real interesting, somewhat goofy straight man to play against Max's kind of ruthless, out for blood, sometimes <laughs> maniacal. It, it's it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, so yeah, if you get around to it, Chris, I'd be curious to see your stamp. But yeah, if you guys want to try that out, they are. That's the information. Uh, we appreciate them for giving us the opportunity to try the games out. They just came out, I think, um, last Thursday or the Thursday before. Yeah, I think I played these on PS3. So, from what I understand, one of them it's their first time being on console at all. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, well. You know what I mean? The remasters were the first time they were available on console at all. Or it right. might be PlayStation in general. Um, one of them did come. Apparently, there was originally a Wii port. Yeah. And then eventually, there there came um, uh, a Switch port, a piece, an Xbox port, and now PlayStation. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious to see. I mean... The way that they do chapters are kind of interesting because I don't necessarily know that they're building towards a, a bigger story yet. Like, it's not obvious to me. It's almost like each chapter is kind of a contained story, but they reference each other. Yeah, that'd be an interesting way so, to do something. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe by the end of the last chapter, it'll kind of feel like, oh, there we are. But I like the trophy so far. The trophies for it are you get a, it's, it's not the telltale play and get a platinum. It's mm. you get a trophy for completing the chapter. But each chapter has a hidden trophy. And so like you've got to figure out whatever weird thing that the game wants you to do that's optional that gets you the trophy. So nice. that's pretty fun. I don't want to spoil anything because I think the experimentation is part of the fun. But it brings I don't you you haven't played Kingdom Hearts 2. No. But one of the most annoying things in video game history is when you're in the Hercules world of Kingdom Hearts 2. So you're in the Colosseum and you're fighting the Hydra and the voice actor for Phil. Just keep saying, get up on the Hydra's back. And, you know, there's a thing like I hate that games do repeated dialogue to try and help you along. Yeah. But it's one thing when it's like once a minute, like if if the game's like, oh, it's been a while and you haven't you haven't figured it out. So we're going to give you a little nudge in the right direction. Phil says it like every five seconds. So it's like, get up on the Hydra's back. Get up on the Hydra's back. And it's like, <laughs> it's not even like a variation. It's the exact same voice line just being fucking punched down your throat. I hate, I, I love Kingdom Hearts 2, but I hate that section <laughs> with a fiery passion. It's, it, I can understand why it sounds pretty awful. Yeah, it sucks because the Coliseum has some of the coolest stuff. There's an underworld section in the game, and there's like a you know Coliseum uh, tiers that you can go through in the underworld. It's really fun and cool, and there's some hidden boss fights and stuff within them. But that uh, that Hydra fight make you want to slam your head into a brick wall. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, so Chris, I think last Hi, week we did um, a draft. Or we two did weeks do a ago, draft we, last we did a draft. And first thing I want to throw out there is the rules were kind of built on the fly to a degree. Um, Chris brought the opportunity, or the idea rather, to the table. And so I accommodated him because, first of all, I'm not big on sports. I don't know much about the idea of drafts. I assume that what Chris was doing was more in the spirit of drafts. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. I just know that there's been some people who chose to voice their thoughts on some of the rules. 
And so we thought we'd take the opportunity to make small adjustment, expand a little bit, and then kind of go from there. But after today, these will be the rules. This is it. One of them was a miscommunication between Chris and I, and I don't feel like we absolutely have to go through and change it or anything. Um, but Chris, yes, I want to make sure I am going off of what we agreed on. Sure. So from what I remember, right now we're at a list of 13 games yep. with two bench games. Yeah. Is that correct? All right. Mm-hmm. Originally, the idea I thought for the bench was that if a game is not scored you would pull a bench game in if a game was not scored or didn't release or whatever, you would pull the bench game in to act as a substitute for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly. And I didn't go back and listen to the episode. I did intend to, uh, but I think that that was not the way it was communicated throughout the episode and I took it the wrong way. So what we're kind of doing is meeting in the middle here. And what we've landed on is I'm gonna go back and find it. Exactly. Because so I want we to just be sure. landed on the the list that we put out is our list, and then we have two more picks we can add throughout the year as things come out, right? Yeah. So, oh man, Chris, we're talking about this other show so much in our DMs <laughs> that it's a little hard. And it's a little hard to find exactly what I was looking for. But yeah, the idea was that our list of 15, technically as it is, 13 with two on the bench, those two on the bench will just be absorbed into the 15. This will be a list of 15. And then because there are games that will undoubtedly be announced within 2023 that are going to come out in 2023, we wanted to add three more segments for games that we can fill in as they're announced. Now... It, does that sound yep, like what we talked about, Chris? Right now, the mm-hmm. only thing we didn't discuss, which I think is perfectly fine to do here, is do we want to do the dibs system that we kind of talked about yes. where if a game's announced, it's... I like that idea as just kind of a... You got to be quick on your toes. Yeah, I think it's a fun idea. Yeah, so that's where we are. There will be... The the bench is not going to work as a way to pull in a game to substitute a game that did bad. The bench is part of the list now, and we will add three more games. And now, while I understand that feels like a lot of games, um, it becomes this interesting thing between both hoping that games that do come out do well, but also this weird strategic thing where if games get pushed out of the year, they don't count against your score. <laughs> so it's oh. like sometimes if a game starts feeling like it's going to be rough, you have this thing where it's like, you can't change it. We've we've established that we're not going to change it anymore, but you have this thing of like the best you can do is kind of just have that back-end wish of maybe, just maybe I'll get lucky enough for it to push out of 2023 and not impact my list in a negative way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think you think it's a lot of games. I don't think it's enough games. Not because well, there's in, not in enough the games on that scheme. list. Well, <laughs> but my thing is that I don't think there's any risk on either list. I really don't. Yeah. I know you and, that, that. and that's why I wish maybe we had done more just because, like I had said on that show, nobody picked anything off the wall like Gloomhaven or Ayudin Chronicles. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I made the most off the wall pick with Suikoden 1 and 2, which if those are good, those are timeless classics. That's going to get a good review. So it's not even that hard, that big of a pick. But there was so there's yeah, no, I was, like, I, honestly, I didn't think risk. that was a big risk either. I think yeah. looking at my list, I think the biggest risk that <clears throat> I did 
was Forspoken, just because I, I think that that's a r- interesting game. And then secondarily, Lost Soul Aside. And that's just because it's it's an unknown quantity. Like, no one knows the studio. Like, yeah, everything about it looks cool, but how many games have we seen look great come out and they just do not hit? How, right. many, how many games have people been crazy excited for that came out with 60s? True. So... But yeah, for the rest of it, like I, I think you have, I think Stellar Blades a bit of a, a wild card. That Everyone's hyped for it, but card, I, yeah. yeah, I think it's an interesting choice. I think like like a dragon, Ishin, it's a known beloved series. It's an entry that's getting remade that people are going to kind of be on high on the fact that they're finally getting to experience it. So I think that that one is a pretty safe bet. Just like Pikmin Four is a pretty safe bet. I mean, I know we didn't take a lot of risk. But we clearly took some risk. And we'll see what risk we get to introduce in our three extra slots. So overall, 18 games. Just to clarify, because some people asked, the way that we'll be, we'll be doing this is a traditional average. We will mm-hmm. take every score for every game, add them up, divide by the number of games. That's your average. Whoever yeah. has the higher average at the end of the list is the winner. Now, exactly. I want to clarify a rule, because I don't want to hear any debate about it afterwards. Okay? if Let's say... A game gets announced next year that neither of us picked that gets 10s across the board. We can still div that game if nobody's dibbed it. So you're saying we can dib it after it's been reviewed? Yeah, why not? If if it's a newly announced game, let's <clears throat> say like Mina the Howler, right? If that game comes out and gets 10s out of 10s, can we still pick it? Or do I have to pick it before that? Like if you just Personally, because you don't pay attention. Like I don't see now, why. Personally, I still think I still think that it needs to be chosen before reviews. Fine. That that was what what I would be comfortable with. But that's the fun of the dip system. The dip system can honestly be that I choose three off the wall. Like if, if I'm being honest, like if if we were if this if this would have been like twenty like basically third quarter of 2022 to third quarter of 2023, I would have thrown Ship of Fools in. There's no way to know if that game is going to be amazing, but I think it's right. really cool, really interesting, and I'm willing to throw a little bit of stuff behind it well, just to be see, like, screw it, let's see. That my biggest my biggest regret here is that there's not enough indies accounted for in this because that's my point. Like, that's you know, why there's somebody mentioned we didn't do Hollow Knight, which we well ho- Hollow Knight. I don't believe Hollow Knight's coming <laughs> out until they announce it's coming out, but that that's, means that's I can where I'm it. At. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, why couldn't? But that's the thing, okay? If we have this dib system, mm-hmm. then shouldn't we be able to dibs it at any point? Well, Just because neither be of us value, dib a game, and then the what game would be comes the value out of dibbing it after it reviews well. The, the 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 fun of it is trying to look at a game that you think will do well, right? Sure, I'm not saying that that, so but I'm also saying that if you never dib something, well. but if you never did, no 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 no, we're we this is a staked bet. Yes, so, I'm aware. Arguably, if we're doing a dib system, you have the same opportunity to pick a game that I do, which is why I don't li- I didn't like and I still don't really like that we changed the rule on the bench because you have the same opportunity to change out a bad game that I do. It's not like I made rules that only benefit me. We both have the no, same opportunity to that use you those rules. No, I don't. I but don't think I'm, you did. Yeah, I want to be clear that I don't think any of those rules benefited one person solely. Even though, you know, I currently benefit from the rule that I'm against changing to begin with. So, 
that's my thing. It's like just because dibs, just because we dibs it after it comes out, that just means neither of us had the foresight. But we're still trying to win. So why couldn't I dibs Yakuza eight after it gets nines? Because you chose not it, to. I just think it goes against the idea. The whole spirit of this is prediction, right? Well, we're, and, we're predicting and, what games are coming out and what games are not coming out. What games okay, but are what about going Apex? to review well and which ones aren't going to review well? What do right, you mean? But what about Apex? Apex. Is a, is a very specific example, but it does go to show, or it does bear, right? Apex was announced the day it came out. So there, was, mm-hmm. there would be no way to dibs it until after reviews. So you say, That's I can't dibs a true. game like that? The, dude, if a, if a game comes out day of, do you think there's going to be reviews hitting day of? No, but that's just as unreasonable. Do you, do you as get my reviews. point? So if yes, a game comes but, out but day one, if I play and you... Apex and I know go it's ahead. good. Right, yep. I go in there and I'm like, "This is awesome! It's going to get reviewed well." That's just as unfair as the reviews already coming out. If you're saying no, it has to be just because you game think something out. is just because you think something is awesome does not mean it will review well. Yeah, yeah, but there's a difference because you can tell the difference between a ten and a seven <laughs> that you really like. I really like Alpha Protocol, but you're not getting that. You're not getting a ten out of ten on Metacritic for Alpha hey. Protocol, despite me being hey. willing to give it that. You you can call me in particular delusional over this, but I'm just telling you the truth of of my thing. But if 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 you put me in a vacuum mm-hmm. with the order 1886 without any of the reviews around it, I kid you not. If I looked at that game and thought, how would other people like this? I would have thought that game got at least an eight. At least, honestly, I feel like eight and a half would be where my brain would be like, there's going to be things that people don't like, but eight and a half. That game (laughs) did not get an eight and a half, no matter how much I love it. My point being, if I played the order, say the order 1886 was announced and released, or you know, not even announced, it was just shadow drop released. Here's a new game that you've never heard of. And I played it. I would play that game and be like, shit, dude, this game's going to do pretty well. So... It gets it released on. A, it gets a release on a Tuesday that we or uh, that we record, and reviews come out on mo- the next Monday. I can't pick that game anymore. No, it doesn't have to be on the show. It I don't does care have about to be that. On the show. Oh, I thought it had what, to be the, on the show. The dib? No. Yeah. If if a game gets announced and it's day of, the the integrity of this system is between you and I. Mm-hmm. Now the show is a nice way. I would prefer as much as we actually can, yes, on the show. But if a game comes out day of and you play it for like five seconds or look at it and think this looks really cool and you want to dip it, hit me up and say, I call dibs on this game and it is yours. Fine. And we will update everyone and make it known. I'll acquiesce, but I think that's dumb. But I'm fine. I understand the reasoning. I just strongly disagree with it. Hey, as long as at the end of it, we agree. That's okay. I strongly disagree with it, but I understand and I'm willing to move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as we agree that that is the rule, regardless yes. of whether you... Yes, that's all I want to make sure of. Look, I feel like in this situation, we're both being accommodating toward each other to some degree. Yes. That's that's a good good middle ground. So here we are. That's, that's where we are. Uh, the debate section of your uh, new rules and for draft and debate has been complete. No, there's another, there's another rule we have to debate because I don't, don't want to change one. it, but people in the discord think we should that if that we get to pick the highest score for a game that doesn't get a Metacritic review. 
Oh, you're talking about the, the, the one from now. I, I agreed to this rule knowing full well what you meant. And I still stand by that. I, I don't, yeah. I do not believe that we have to change that. If a game does not get a Metacritic score, as long as you can find a somewhat, and it's what we said in the episode, a somewhat reputable site right. that reviews for it. Because again, now there, there, there will be someone, there will be people that do not agree with that. But I did agree to it with full understanding of what you were saying. Yeah, and because of that, I will not change. I'm and not. I just want to be clear. My word. People in the Discord thought I was trying to sneak one by the goalie. That rule was created for your benefit, and it was created before I picked Persona Four Golden. So it didn't, or after I picked Persona Four Golden. So it had no benefit. I must say, to me. yeah, it was to help you. It just happens to, and that now, given the, how the list shook out, it also helps me. But that's not yeah. why the rule came, it came in because yeah. you couldn't decide I'll if you wanted right, to pick something. Yeah, right now, I don't think the rule benefits me realistically. I don't think there's any target for that on mine, but I don't care. Right. I Again, I agree to the rule, full understanding. I'm a man of my word. We will not change it. Now, secondary thing to say, this draft I feel like will be fun because we'll get to check in on games and kind of update and see mm-hmm. how well our predictions have played out throughout the year, and I think that's fun. Next year, the experience of going through this will help inform the way we should do it next year, in my opinion, with our own twists still. So within what it is, again, as long as we agree to what the rules are at this point, since there was a slight misunderstanding, this is uh, this is our new level floor, and we're going to move on. Yes, I'm fine. Fine so, with the rules as is. There we are. All right. So with that in spirit, the community's take for last week that we did not get around to, uh, we, we posted it, was whose list you felt like had a better chance of performing the highest, and if you felt like giving your reasoning why, then you could give your reason why. Uh, with that in mind, and the community's take section of this Discord got real interesting because we really try and keep it clean usually so that we can parse out responses, and this got... Uh, basically, the entire conversation happened within this thing. <laughs> we probably should have moved it. I should have had the foresight to do that. Um, but all that being said... We do have some responses. So first things first, Chris's list got six votes. Mine got three of uh, people who decided to chime in. Um, Mm -hmm. So Chris edged out. And of course, the reason why, as most people would expect, is the absolute 100% great first choice of Chris in The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. (laughs) it's It's the obvious best answer of, all of the games that we had to choose from, you were very smart to choose it. And a lot of people said that. So the Lord Corgi, one of our patrons, he says, I honestly think both lists are pretty level. The only big advantage I see Chris having is The Legend of Zelda because I think that's going to review well because of the Nintendo bias and because the title is being treated like the second coming of Jesus already. Good picks on both sides, and it was a great segment for the show. For those of you who did respond and who liked the segment, great. If you have feedback on the segment, throw it our way. We wanted we want to do stuff on the show that you guys like and that we like. I had a fun time doing it. We wanted to make sure that translated well over to you guys. And so far, the response seems to be that it did translate well and that you liked hearing our reasoning for what we picked and everything. So hope you enjoyed it. That's best we can say. Um, Another patron, Rude Days 93 says, have to go with Brett looking at his list besides Atomic Heart because of the whole war over there, which is a good point. There's a chance that it just doesn't even come out. 
Every game on his list I see coming out and scoring reasonably high. Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and Spider-Man 2 are what scare me on Chris. Uh, Chris's end. If they were guaranteed to both come out, I would definitely favor his team. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty solid reasoning. Yeah. I mean, I, I stand by what I said in the Discord, that I hate his answer because he voted against me, and I completely agree with what he said. Because What? Yeah, go ahead. I didn't. It was funny because I, you listen to that episode. I was fighting to not take Spider Man, knowing that you had to take Spider Man because if it comes out, that's a nine, right? So I was like, I have mm-hmm. to take it, but I'm nervous. Yeah. And then that's the same with Final Fantasy VII. I know that people jerk off to that game, so that game's going to get higher scores, whether it comes out along with Crisis Core, Final Fantasy sixteen, and Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, I do. My biggest reason for thinking that Rebirth will not hit next year is the fact that we have we have uh, the Crisis Core um, remaster right at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Forspoken, Final yeah. Fantasy sixteen. Those are three fairly large games for Square, and I feel like they don't want to dilute the Final Fantasy waters that much when undoubtedly. They're still going to be working and supporting Final Fantasy XIV online. Yeah, I just... This is going to sound really weird, but my thing with Final Fantasy VII is it feels like less of a Final Fantasy game and more of a Final Fantasy VII game. Does that make any sense? No, that's fair. And and to just to clarify my thing, I did lump Forspoken in there, and I don't mean that Forspoken is Final Fantasy. No, I know. But point being is that it's a new IP... This is just for clarification for everyone else, it. but it is a new IP that any Final Fantasy game coming out against has a chance of squandering that. And I think that Square understand that and know that, and they want to release that game and give it a big enough window that all the resources and time they've put into this can hopefully flesh out to be, at the very least, a game that performs well enough to just be a promising new IP. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a masterpiece. And that's honestly why I even took the chance to put it on my list. If that game lands at an eight, I think that's a promising start to a new IP. If it lands at an eight, every chance in the world that it doesn't. And I think Square are aware of that. And I think that that's why they chose to move it from being near the vicinity of God of War. You just don't want any conflict where there doesn't need to be any when you're doing a new IP. Definitely when both of them are exclusives. That's fair. So. I just think but, they're going to do it. Brett, I got a question for you. Sure, what's if, up? If Sonic Frontiers was a 2023 game, would you have picked it? Uh, yeah, actually. No, oh, wow. And it's it's crazy. That was that would have been my riskiest choice if it was a 2023 game, I feel like. I no don't, question about it. I don't want to I don't want to call it delusional cuz it's not that I know the game is going to be great. But I have this weird feeling that this will be the time, and partially because I wasn't, and this is a weird comparison because I don't think it's fair, nor do I, am I even trying to say they're the same thing, but Sonic Frontiers is trying to do for Sonic as a franchise in terms of shaking the gameplay up in a way that's a push well beyond what they've done in the past in the same way that Breath of the Wild was trying to do that for Zelda. Not that they're trying to do it in the same way. There's clearly similarities, big, large, open worlds with lush environments. Everyone thinks Breath of the Wild. Um, 
but I think when you look at the actual gameplay, they're not similar. Uh, but because of that, I think that if you would have asked me if Breath of the Wild would have been a, a 9 to 10 out of 10 for everybody before it came out, I would have said no. I still say that now, having played the game. But that goes back to the thought of people view things in really different ways. I think Sonic has the chance of having a similar, if not slightly more muted reception. I think that game has a chance of landing in the eight, eight and a half chance, but it's a chance that um, I'd be willing to take. Fair. I'll take that. It's crazy. I'm going to do one more response. Uh, we have uh, plenty of them. I appreciate that, but I'm going to do specifically one from Aztec King. And he said, I'm going to have to go with Chris because of Final Fantasy VII, Spider-Man, and Persona 4. If it wasn't for those three, Brett would take it. And I find it interesting that he did not choose Zelda. He did not reference Zelda. And I wonder if he thinks that those games are going to perform alongside Zelda to the point where it doesn't really matter to shout out Zelda in in specific or what. But we'll see. It's interesting because for me, looking at my list back, I still think Baldur's Gate 3 is actually my best pick. But that's just me personally. Maybe. Maybe. That game I still is already feel like, good and it's an early access. I can't imagine yeah, I, what it's going to be like. Yeah, I think Zelda is still your your top pick because I think it's the one that's most likely. But 100%. this goes into that weird thought process of how widely reviewed will Baldur's Gate 3 be? You know what I mean? Very widely reviewed, like, I think. I feel like it would. But it also is a fairly niche genre, definitely for what I feel like the majority of the, to be fair, console-oriented sites tend to do. But um, you're going to look at Divinity and see where they landed? That's exactly what I'm going to look at, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really, the, the question is 93, but how many reviews? Out of curiosity. Because where I was going with that is a lesser number of, review, of reviews has a higher chance. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, of doing well. reviews. As opposed to, let, let's look at Breath of the Wild. If you're already up on it, how many reviews did Breath of the Wild receive? Because the point stands within the fact that the less numbers you get, that's actually closer than I would have thought. Yeah. But still, 40 more or whatever it be, uh, 30 more is fairly high and that can change your average a lot. I agree. But um, yeah, this is a different response, but I mainly just, I'm glad to see Jehudi back around and, and responding. He says, I'll look at it this way. Who has the most games I am anticipating to play? That would be Brett's. However, both lists are solid and have games that may not make it in 2023 or make it from a score side. I like that answer because it's really not about whose list is better from an actual Metacritic standpoint. He's just being like, one, I think is more fun. I think I would have more fun with this list as opposed to this list. Uh, But I think that's high time that we get off of that in particular. Uh, Just know that y'all put y'all's, you put your horse in front of Chris's cart. So here's the hoping that that works. Or I guess technically you put your cart behind Chris's horse, (laughs) but (laughs) you guys are all behind me. That's all that matters. Yeah. So (laughs) moving on into the news, uh, remember that if you guys want to be part of the community's take, you can head over to our triangle, our, our Twitter and do triangle squared, which is at triangle S Q R D. You can find us on Facebook, a group, which is triangle squared, a PlayStation podcast. And you can find us in the discord, which we always have linked in the description below. We give special priority treatment in terms of, uh, reading out responses 
we always try and go towards patrons first, just as a little mm-hmm. thank you for the people who go that extra uh, mile to support us. And we appreciate that. And while we're yep. talking about Patreon, if you want to become one, you can head over to patreon.com slash Nartech and give as little as a dollar per month. Helps the show out a lot. And uh, all of our existing patrons, so new ones, unless you're at the $5 tier, this will not be the case for you. But as a thank you, we mentioned that we were going to be giving out stickers. I've been posting updates on the Patreon um, Showing the stickers, I've got them all enveloped up for our U.S. listeners, and they have gone out today. Uh, I had uh, three of you guys that didn't have addresses that got back with me. If the rest of you end up getting back with me within a reasonable time, I'll make sure to get those out as well. And then um, this week, my hope is to move into getting our uh, international audience who are mm. also patrons all of their things uh so chris i'm also going to send one to you just because you deserve to have one if you want oh, one. thanks yeah there you go Appreciate so that. expect expect those are starting to cool off so expect those alongside your uh your blueberry yogurt pretzels <laughs> hell yeah it'll be a it'll be a um, double prize day for you that's a perfect day i do want to be sure to let everyone know that you also get priority access to the community stake if you are a level four PlayStation Stars uh, member. <laughs> just, just yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we'll be looking at that. And uh, if you're not, then, uh, you know, sorry, yep. but we're giving priority treatment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. important. Customer support so, and triangle square community stakes. <laughs> Moving into the news, first thing up, be wary, Craped Crusader. Crape, Crape. You want another try Actually, at that dude, one? Dude, Craped? No, Craped Crusader. It's a guy. <laughs> that would be an incredible comic book. Are you kidding? <laughs> Why don't we just do this? The Craped it may have been. It, it may have been, as Gex would say, a slip of the tongue, but I think it's one that bears fruit. Chris, if you do not write a story, we can have a character in our other story that we're working on, Chris, named the Craped Crusader. I'm so down. Holy crap. So please it's remember that. Please make sure you eggs. put that in the in the <laughs> document. <laughs> the Crusader. Anyway, anyway start that over. be wary, Caped Crusaders, an art book for WB Montreal's upcoming Arkhamverse game, Gotham Knights, shipped to a few customers early, and with it comes massive spoilers for the game, which... Chris, will you please stop doing that? Because you're covering the text. Oh, sorry. I can see that. Sorry. You asshole. <laughs> it's, it's ADHD. You, you get it. I know. I see you do it all the time. Uh, it comes with massive spoilers for the game, which we will not relay here. Don't worry about that. Uh, Flora Marty, the title executive producer, confirmed the leaks in a tweet. Uh, so that's unfortunate. It means you got to keep them eyes peeled and click off of anything you see Gotham Knights related. Now, here's where we potentially run into a thing i did not know this game was confirmed to be specifically arkhamverse yeah it's after arkham night i thought maybe incorrectly that this was in its own universe and that say, uh, kill the justice league was after arkham night i'll double check but i'm pretty sure this is supposed to be after arkham night hmm well, definitely the trailers, which does not give anything. Talk about how Batman has died, which would play oh, into the nope, secret I was ending. Wrong. It's not an Arkhamverse game. Sorry. Okay, that's what I thought. No, it's, it's fine, but the implications would be way different. It you would. know, if so. I don't know. So, okay. I saw the spoilers, and it's not that big a deal. If you know comic books, you won't be surprised. So, well, not, don't to be honest, I still loved Arkham Knight, and I guessed 
every bit of that game right after they announced it. <laughs> Had yeah. a full conversation with the manager at the GameStop. Um, and I remember on release, we called each other and was like, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> it did not really change my enjoyment. Still a great game. Uh, no, next I thing up, Meta. Game. Yeah, it's a great game. No, it's not Arkham City, but you know, I mean... Yeah, you mean the I worst one? I know for one? you, it's not Arkham Asylum. I know. Right. You hush. Arkham Asylum is a perfect Arkham City. game. Arkham City is a perfect game. No. Perfect. No. Arkham City is what all open world games should strive to do. Because I, other than The Witcher 3, I don't think I've ever been as invested in side content as that game in particular. I will say the Firefly guy is pretty cool. Um, yeah, did you, um, I think I may have asked you this before. Did you play the... Uh, Arkham Origins Blackgate? Uh, some of it, but not a lot. It's oddly fun. I've heard it's like good. It's not really a crazy idea to think that a Metroidvania Batman game would totally work, but interesting nonetheless. Um, next thing up, Meta, of course, previously known as Facebook, has acquired VR developers Camouflage, Twisted Pixel, and Armature Studio. These teams are behind games like Resident Evil 4 VR, Iron Man VR, and as part of that, which I don't know if you have it in here separately, but as part of this purchase, they announced that Iron Man VR, which is previously a PlayStation VR exclusive, will be coming to the Quest. Yeah, that wasn't in the article, but I saw that on Discord, so I'm dumb. (laughs) It's okay, Chris. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, so what's interesting is that the thing that they showed still shows Sony behind it, which I don't know if that means that Sony is uh, acting as publisher here or if they're acting as IP holder licensing, which they can't be IP holder, but they may be the publishing rights holder contracting and licensing out their ability to do so. Not sure. But it's interesting to say the least. I'm sorry for the dead air. I dropped a guitar pick and I didn't know it was a guitar pick. I wanted to make sure it wasn't something more important. All that noodling before recording (laughs) came back to bite me. Um, But yeah, I think that one's interesting. I, I always said that I wanted to try Iron Man VR, but I didn't want to have to play my PlayStation VR to do so. So I guess now I get that opportunity. Um, Meta also announced a $1,500 VR unit and Xbox game streaming via Game Pass is coming to their line of headsets. Now, that $1,500 VR unit is called the Quest Pro, which would make you think, why would anyone spend $1,500 for a gaming VR headset? But they are very quick in their marketing to tell you that gaming is just a secondary thing that they can do and they're primarily aiming this at the business region of people that can use this. And I know some people have thought what businesses use VR. And you would be surprised. It's a lot of the same people who use Mac computers. It's designers and people that want to be able to work with things in 3D spaces, who want to be able to collaborate and get together without having to physically be in the same area. It's a lot of things like that. And it's a somewhat niche market. Yeah, But when you put the Quest name onto this, you think of Quest as budget-friendly wireless VR for gaming and other applications. So I get why some people are looking at this and being like, dead on arrival. But I don't know if that's true because it's not really for us. If no gamers buy it, that doesn't really impact the market that it's aimed at. 
No, you're right. I don't know. I've seen there's this one. Um, it's for Quest. I can't remember what it's called, but the baseball podcast I listen to uh, does mm-hmm. ads for it all the time. And I guess like it's a hitting trainer and like actual baseball players use it. So that's pretty awesome. Whether that's true or it's just for the ad, I don't know. But they say that <laughs> baseball players use it. That's true. They said that Jared lost all that weight by eating Subway, but I'm not so sure that's true. <laughs> no, I think there was some show. cardio involved in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he was definitely eating something. Oh, no, Chris. What's next on the news, Brett? What's next? You know I what's can't... next on the news? Yeah. Let's back up for a second. How do you think game streaming is going to work? In terms of people's actual enjoyment on VR. Probably just theater mode like it was in PSVR. Oh, that's exactly what it is. Do yeah. you think people will actually use it? Because I no. never once used it on VR. That's an it's awful terrible. way to play games. Terrible. Why would you want to play with your head sweating? And only your head. At 1080p. <laughs> right. 1440p no, it, maybe. It max. Seems like I, I'm pretty sure their max say. resolution is 1080. The conspiracy yeah, theory... I mean, I, uh conspiracy theorist in me says that Xbox is doing this just so they can say there's another platform with Game Pass on it so that the games are not exclusives. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can play Call of Duty on Oculus. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. You can literally play that anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's such a weird thing because I feel like using, I don't want to say... A gimmick, but using tech in interesting ways to play games in normal ways seldom ends up working out as well as people think. I don't know if you remember the Sony, it was a PlayStation 3D TV that was, first of all, like 28 inches, very small. (laughs) And I I had it and I loved it. It was a cool Mm -hmm. TV and it had the glasses and it had a a feature that only I ever saw on it where you could tell PS3 games, certain ones that were like split screen. So like MotorStorm Apocalypse, you could tell it to only show on the polarization of one lens so that you could have a full screen 28 inch experience where you only saw your screen and then your friend with his glasses on only saw his screen. Is that a cool idea? Sure, it's nice that you can do it. Did it work perfectly? No, you could kind of see ghosts of what your friend was doing very seldom. And it was dimmed for what you could see because you were only seeing a single axis. It just didn't work as well as you would have hoped. So it didn't really get used. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen here. Why when I have a full, you know, 4K TV like plenty of people do, why would I play my PSVR in theater mode? just to pretend that I'm watching it on a movie screen that has terrible resolution. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It seems insane. Do you know what would happen if you took 1080p resolution and tried putting it onto a projector and sending that projector? It it would look terrible. You make a 1080p image super huge. Technically a projector would work pretty well because different. It's not a pixel structure necessarily kind of is. But yeah, Weird weird standpoint. Uh, next thing up regarding Game Pass, regulatory filings have given us a peek behind the curtain as to what Sony and Microsoft paid in relation to specifically ARC Survival Evolved. Simply, 
Sony paid $3.5 million to get the game on PS Plus back in March of 21, while Xbox is a bit more complicated. Originally, they paid $2.5 million for a three-year license to allow the game to live on Game Pass. It appears that when the deal expired, Sony swooped in and got it on Game Pass. I, uh, I, switched mean it. I, I meant to add Game Pass above. Sony swooped in and got it on PS Plus, while Xbox shifted its focus to the Dominic Toretto-led ARC 2, paying $600,000 to keep survival evolved on the service and secure ARC 2. The companies are usually tight-lipped on the payment structure for their services. Big Cheese Studios previously stated they'd been paid six hundred k for the rights to Cookie Game Simulator. So the point being here is that these are things that are often kept behind curtain because... It's not really numbers that we should know, but getting to see it as part of these filings is interesting to kind of see how each company approaches these things. And when you think about it and say, well, why did Sony pay so much more? If you haven't already landed on it, it's clearly because with PS Plus and how it was put onto PS Plus before the new setup had happened, it is a permanent game. So Mm -hmm. once it's off for that month, you get to keep that game so long as you have PS Plus. Unlike Game Pass, where... Once it leaves Game Pass, you know how longer have access to the game. Um, so it's interesting to see that they do that. And this plays an interesting part in people talking about, which we're not going to get into big, but the $3 billion, the $2.9 billion that Xbox brings in from Game Pass, apparently, or at least brought in from Game Pass in 2022 or 2021, rather. We don't know how many of those $2.5 millions there are and how they got up to $3 billion, what the costs involved are. But it's interesting to kind of peek behind the curtain and see that. Uh, it makes me think that Sony's probably paid a pretty penny for some of these games. It makes me wonder how much of a steal or not they got games that ended up being huge like Rocket League. You know? Yeah. But, I don't Who know. Do you have any thoughts um, should... on that, Chris? No, it's kind of cool to see it, but I'm not really surprised. The only thing I would say is I should clarify... They paid 2.5 million for Arc 2, and 600k of that was to keep Survival Evolved and get Arc 2. Just to clarify. Gotcha. Because I wrote it wrong right. in the news. Well, they are. That's the information. It's a lot of money to throw out there, but in the grand scheme of thinking about how that plays out to purchases, I don't think Arc is a full priced title, if I remember. But, you know, if you no, look I think at. It's 40. See, I was thinking 30, but let's we'll use 30 because it's probably often on sale and sells for somewhere in that ballpark. But even at $20, right? If you do $20 and a million people buy that game, you have $20 million. That's a mm-hmm. lot more <laughs> than what Sony paid for it. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much money. But I also don't know how successful Ark has been. I assume it's successful enough to warrant a sequel. And for them to be able to afford Dominic Toretto, yeah, Mr. Family Man. Um, so, I don't know. But it's interesting to see behind, but there's not a lot to really gain from that. I, I, what I'd be more curious to see is if there's any looks at what Sony has paid for some of these games that are more Game Pass structured now, where they'll leave the service after a certain amount of time. But maybe some years and another lawsuit or regulation filing before we ever get that information. So is what it is. Uh, We've already kind of touched on this, but Overwatch 2 
and its launch has been nothing short of controversial, but the biggest piece of controversy has specifically been focused around the two-factor authentication for the game. Overwatch 2 requires a phone number to be played, as we talked about, but here's the kicker. Prepaid numbers are not eligible. This basically means that you must have a cell phone tied to a major carrier in order to play the game now. And it appears that the upcoming release of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the 2022 version, not the 2011, 10 version, uh, will follow suit. Um, So this looks to be a thing that will not necessarily be leaving gaming anytime soon. So if you are one of those people that value your privacy but want to play these games, eh. I guess the biggest question you could truly ask yourself and no matter what the answer is, you are completely valid. What do you think they want your phone number for? Do you think it's strictly so they can verify you as a person with a number that can't be replicated? Or do you think they'll use it for some other benefits, considering that it's a free-to-play game in this particular case? How much you want to give is entirely up to you, and it's, inc- it's incredibly reasonable for you to decide against it. I would agree. So, um yeah, so, I mean, anything you want to add? You've already kind of given your Overwatch 2 grievances and also love and praise. Is yeah, there anything no, I mean, specific I with this you want to add? At the beginning, it's, uh, it's one of those things I understand why, and I'm not necessarily against it, but I think <laughs> it's weirdly... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. It's weirdly ableist, I guess, or, you know, like you have You're- to be of a certain type of... You know, you have to be at a certain level of uh, having money to be able to play your free video game. Seems pretty shitty. <laughs> well, it's 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 kind of like when people were complaining about Microsoft being holier than thou about how they're so friendly to gamers and yet free to play games for a long time were still locked Neither behind gold. Xbox Gold. Yeah. And in a weird way, <clears throat> this is the same thing, and it begs the question of. Why even make the game free to play if you're going to put a barrier like, like having a phone number is a very different thing. Almost everyone has a phone number. Almost. And the same conversation is that if you can afford a console, no matter which one it is, even if it's a $200 PS4 uh, years and years later and you're wanting to play Overwatch 2 for free because at least you don't have to spend more money. Oh, great. Cool. But now you have to also make sure that you have enough money. Well, this is a little weird because I don't want to speak out a line of what it's actually requiring. So there are major carriers that offer prepaid prepaid plans. Do those numbers also not count? So is it that you have to have a contracted line? Or do you know? Do you know the specific? I don't know because I have a contract line, so it didn't affect me at all. From what I've Mm -hmm. read, if you have something like a Cricket Wireless or Ryan Reynolds' Mint Mobile, you won't be able to play. Basically, if you now, can, does that if, go all the way through to things like straight talk and stuff? I would assume as well. Yes, from what I understood, if you if missing a payment won't be recorded reported to your credit bureau, you can't play Overwatch. Wow, that's if the that's way truly it, how specific it is. That is something I think that they should address. Now, do you know yeah. where I think part of this comes from? Have you ever seen those apps that you can like download and it's just like wi-fi texting and it gives you like a random phone number no i don't so long ago the main reason i know about this is because 
long, long story short, whenever I was 17 or technically 18 at that point, one of my friends who I met my senior year who was a freshman had a crazy life situation happen and he was abandoned in many, many ways. And I let him come live with us, me and my friend mm-hmm. at the time, because he didn't have anywhere to stay. That ended up turning into me basically raising him through the rest of high school. <laughs> so he had an iPhone or an iPod, rather, and he would text people through this app that you could download that would allow you to text via Wi-Fi, and it gave you a phone number. I assume those still exist. And that means that a very easy way around this would be, I want to create another account. Let me just go here, get this random phone number, tie it to this account, and then be done. But it blocks off people who truly need a a pay-as-a-need phone option. It sucks. Yeah. I don't know. I think it sucks for people who can't afford it, and I think it's probably better for people who play Overwatch. Like the big both problem, things can be true while both being unfortunate. Right. Because that's the thing with Apex. Like People make Smurf accounts. So then you have a level one. So what do you mean by Smurf account? Because I don't know what you mean. So someone who's like a top ranked player can make mm-hmm. a new account and play with the bottom ranked players. Which is why you have people on Apex who are level 10 with a 20 kill game, a 4K badge. You know what I mean? So the stuff that would indicate you're a good player. But they're level 10, so they're playing in the new player lobbies. Yeah. And that's that's, that's that's what this prevents. That's unfortunate. But this is where I think that this gets really complicated. But it's something that, and I'm not even saying it's easy. I don't mean that at all because I don't know how complicated it is. But I've always thought that your ideal situation would be to not bracket players by their level, but rather to rank a player based off of their previous 10 games and how well they've done, continuously push them and push them and push them until no matter how new they are, within with by the third or fourth game, you have an understanding of what their skill ceiling is or what their rough skill level is, and you're pairing them with people of equivalent skill ceiling regardless of level. Now, I'm assuming that there have to be issues that make that harder to achieve than strictly allowing people's levels to slowly but surely work their way up into a bracketed system of sorts. Uh, Like Chris, you remember, Mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken, we, we played a lot of Halo, right? We did. And Halo's rank system, which I played quite a bit of and got pretty high in, would you had to play 10 games. And then after that 10 games, it would give you a preliminary ranking. And then you would work up or down from there based off how well you did. And I think that's closer to what I'm talking about, if that makes sense. Because it's like they look at you for 10 games straight and just go, this is the kind of skill ceiling we're seeing for this character or this player right now. And we're going to use that information to go ahead and put him in an equivalent. Like, cause by the time I got ranked, I remember I was already at the, like almost right at, right at gold from just 10 games. Cause I had played quite a bit of non ranked to get good. And that means that 
by the time I chose to get myself ranked and be playing in a competitive sense, the game was able to account for that and put me roughly where I needed to be. And then I worked my way up to gold from that. Um, so how does Apex kind of approach that? Does Is it similar? Do you have a ranked system? Or are you talking also for unranked play? Or is, or is there such thing as unranked play? There's unranked play in Apex. But I think what okay, you're I'll talking about... I don't remember how it was because now that Apex is so far down the line, you get your rank from last season and then it brings you down a couple levels based on what your rank was. And then you have to rank back up. But I feel like there may have been... No, I think you just start in bronze and move yourself up. So, Yeah. Which I can understand that too. I mean, you just move yourself up. But I think starting at a place that's within your skill level, like if you did play the last season, it would make sense to me to just be like, you were at, for lack of knowing what the actual rankings are, you were at gold four last season when it ended. We're going to put you at gold one and you're going to work your way back up. Yeah, it would be. Like and if you're like silver four, four you start at silver one, one. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically yeah. how it works. Okay. I like it, but I also think this does prevent like Smurf accounts, which is a good thing, whether or not it's good. But in this, I way. guess that's what I'm getting at is that couldn't you deal with Smurf accounts by making it to where no matter how what level you are, it, it automatically looks at you and appropriately places you at least somewhere much closer. Even if yeah, it's your then, ninth game as on that could, character? I don't know. I don't know how it would work. But I know you can't mm-hmm. play a game of pubs without facing a level 10 who's the best player in the game. So it sucks. <laughs> so either way, at least as it is right now, it doesn't work as well as it should. Exactly. Okay. Well, Chris, we finally have a release date for one of the games on your list. Atlas has finally revealed when Persona 3 Portable and Persona 4 Golden will be released on the console. The games will release on January 19th, 2023. So right there at that front edge. Yeah. I would have actually kind of laughed if they released in 2022. <laughs> would I have had to change Persona 4? Because yeah. technically... It wouldn't be a 2023 game at that point. That's fair. Huh. I wonder how we would have handled that. Either way. I can wait 19 days so that I can win the competition because Persona 4 Golden is getting tense. I'll be curious to see. I think it would too. But the only reason I ask is I wonder if there will be people that go for the price point that they're asking, the fact, and I might be wrong on what it is because I'm not a big Persona fan. These are strictly ports, right? These are not remasters or anything like that. I think they're up reses. Okay. I mean, that's at least running at maybe a native resolution. So, like, on PS5, they'll run at 4K? Yes. Exactly. Maybe they'll get 10s then. Because what I was going to say is if they're strictly ports and they don't really get any remaster treatment, I could see people knocking a few points off for just being like, it's still the same game, which is good for all the reasons that that game has always been known as good, but they didn't take any initiative to try and make it better where the new tech could make it better. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out for you. But you're yeah. going to start the year off strong. That's all I know. If, <laughs> if it gets scored. If it does. That still remains to be the question. Hey, if it doesn't, then I'm just going to pick the best score. So it's fine. I'll take either one. Yeah, I just love the idea of you like scouring the internet and it turns out you can't find any site that's not just like <laughs> a random dude's blog. <laughs> yeah. So all Which will not count. Hey, still play it. No, it won't. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, all right, moving on to the next thing. Hideo Kojima is again abandoning <laughs> a typical announcement for his newest project. During TGS, Kojima Productions began teasing its next project with a teaser poster featuring a silhouette of a face and the text, who am I over it? Fast forwarding to today, it's been revealed that the silhouette belongs to actress Elle Fanning, younger sister of Dakota Fanning, as I was able to suss out expertly earlier. We don't officially know what game this is teasing, but in a deleted tweet, a Kojima Productions developer mentioned Death Stranding 2, and recently, Tommy Earl Jenkins, the actor behind Die Hard Men and Death Stranding, is hinting that an announcement is coming. A new teaser has been released that features another silhouette that could be Margaret Qualley, who played Mama, and the words, where am I? Brett, I want to say I'm really pissed I missed the opportunity to say, and fanning the flames, a new teaser has been released. <laughs> I screwed up big time, and I want to apologize to the audience. I can and will do better. <laughs> uh, exactly. <laughs> Chris, you've made a continual and severe lapse in judgment, and yep. I don't think you should do that again. Okay, I will not. This is my letter. Of here we are. So, what what are your thoughts here? I mean, do you remember you, you're talking about Margaret Qualley, and maybe it is her. I've seen the thing. There's uh, mm-hmm. somebody else who's um, been. That's yeah, an Asian actress, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who has been guessed as a hey, this could be her. But I remember there was a point in time where I think a leak had mentioned that one of Kojima's games was going to be a horror game with Margaret Qualley, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that overdose is supposed to be that one. Overdose, right? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. do you think there's any chance? This is a weird one. Do you think there's any chance that what they're actually teasing right now is for overdose and Death Stranding 2 just also happens to be nearing time to be shown i would have or said do you yes think this is all for the same game um i would have said yes to that had the tweet from the K- kojima productions um member not been a quote tweet on the l fanning reveal <laughs> mm. fair enough then yeah and the fact that it was deleted so you can't even Correct. just be like oh it was just it was just us self yeah. you know they were just joking they were cover. They were covering the real game in bandages. Like, no, it's not that. It's- <laughs> Joaquin. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Well, I can't remember his last name, but I know that Joaquin was the first name. Joaquin. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, this game lets us do a lot of Joaquin across the United States, and we'll see what happens. Hey, you absolutely adored the first game. I did. I've I. I do wonder though. It. Since the game came out and did fairly well, and people, you know, definitely found its its footing. Um, mm-hmm. I have wondered how well the same gameplay loop could work a second time, and the only reason I say that is that there was a novelty to Death Stranding that Death Stranding Two, if it just repeats, cannot it it can never be as novel as it was in the first game. I think that Death Stranding 2 is going to be a shot-for-shot remake of Mario Sunshine. (laughs) But with only characters from the Kojima universe, from the Death Mm -hmm. Stranding universe? Yeah. Sam Porter Bridges walking around uh, as as Mario? exactly. He's got the jump pad. With a water water gun or something you can shoot out? Yeah. It's a water gun. But I was saying to a buddy, I think... 
because we'll we'll talk about it later in the news, but it's codenamed Ocean. And mm. I think it would be really cool to do Death Stranding, but underwater. And that could be absolutely terrifying. Just all the, imagine the eldritch beings that we would find in the ocean. Because you think about it, it's, it, it builds itself up, right? It's like you have to survive and keep your o- oxygen temps up and then blah, blah, blah. And then, oh my God, the middle of the game is in the Mariana Trench. You know, what's down there? Nothing, because it's too much pressure. You know what I mean? Like, that would be cool. Um, I, I think there's I interesting ideas. And I say this knowing full well that if you explained Death Stranding to me before Death Stranding came out and I played it, I would say there's interesting ideas, but it can never work for a full game. That's yeah. what, that's the exact sentence that's about to leave my mouth. I know full well that I can be proven wrong at any given point. Yeah. But it sounds to me from hearing it that it's a, it's an idea that can be cool for a while, but at least in the way that Kojima likes to do story and stuff, I don't see that playing out. Now, clearly there's a want for games like that anyway to a to a degree because subnautica and subnautica 2 exist and if i'm not mistaken those games primarily exist within the idea of spending time in (coughs) deep deep oceans and dealing with the monstrosities that can live down there correct i haven't played subnautica but saul has and he always mentions that it terrifies him (laughs) yeah i've heard it's a very scary game yeah i don't know i death stranding is this weird thing where Part of me wants it to not. This is gonna sound weird. This is like it, it exists in the same area that I feel like The Last of Us existed in, where I don't really know that my brain is like a follow up is necessary. I am completely fine in a world where Death Stranding One is the end of Death Stranding, and we never, it's never talked about again. I Clearly, that's not what's happening. <laughs> Clearly. There's been mm-hmm. Norman Reedus has said too much <laughs> for yeah. that to be the case. Exactly. But I ask myself the same questions and I enjoyed the last of us too. We've talked about that before. If you want to go listen to our spoiler cast about it, Chris and I talked about the things that we both liked and some things that we thought maybe could have done better. Um, but the point being is that despite the fact that I felt like I'd never needed a part two, I was still excited when they announced part two and I was still happy with how I felt (laughs) happy is a weird word choice for how I felt about the end of the last of us part two. But my point being is I was, I felt fulfilled by the end of the last of us part two, even with the grievances I may have with some of the choices uh, from a design standpoint that they did. So I asked myself here, what is it that they could do that builds on the formula, but changes it just enough to where, you think to yourself, like, wow, man, if they could make Death Stranding 1 play like this, that would have been even crazier. Because I still stand by the Last of Us 1 remake is still great. I still wish it had been more like Part 2's gameplay because Part 2 is, is so good from sheer gameplay standpoint. So I'm curious. My, my biggest question for that is not story or anything. It is strictly gameplay. But yeah, anything is possible. I mean, I'm fascinated to see what they do. I would imagine I have my guesses, but that would spoil Death Stranding, so we'll just not talk about it. Now, you know something we didn't really talk about, but I think yeah, is what? interesting. Did you see the? Um, it's kind of like I guess a leak or whatever you want to call it 
about um, Kojima's Stadia game. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stuff around it was saying that it was going to be, the wording used was a follow-up to Death Stranding. That, was, that would be a single-player game. And I remember asking myself from how vague the wording was, are they trying to suggest that Stadia would have gotten an exclusive Death Stranding game, a Sony-owned IP, that was single-player, which is in complete disregard to Kojima's talk about what a Strand game is and this new genre, as he was uh, calling it. And so it led me to that thing of like, there's no way it could have been a Death Stranding game. No. uh, Because that idea of the whole point and part of the novelty and, and magic of Death Stranding was that feeling of coming around a mountain corner and being like, I just need there to be a rope right now or I need there to be a ladder. And then you walk around, you're like, fuck yeah, somebody put a ladder down. And then if not, that feeling where you're like, fuck, I got to be the one to put a ladder down. But then you put it down and you're like, I know I'm helping somebody, even mm-hmm. if it's just one person. Yeah. Um, but where I'm going with that is Death Stranding's strand system might be a, the novelty enough to carry the gameplay loop yet again. Because I did really like that idea of being able to build something and have it degrade over time so that this community needs to continue working and building to help each other. And that essentially every person who plays after someone else is very likely to have it easier than the person before them. The way I read it um, was just that the next game from Kojima being mm-hmm. the follow-up game from to Kojima the game of just standing was going to be stadia exclusive that's how yeah, I that's read what that. i read it as too but i saw a lot of people being like a single player death stranding game i'm like why <laughs> why would you right exactly but, why oh well we'll see what it ends up being if it is overdose also cool because i want to see what overdose is um assuming that that leak was even correct Let's just I have point a strong out inkling it was correct. It they, was. they copyright claimed it. Um, remember, nobody ever called that game Xbox exclusive. I'm just saying. You're Even not Phil Spencer wrong. did not call it an exclusive. He called everything else exclusive. Did well, not call hold it on, an hold on, hold on. Well, you're whoa, telling whoa. me that Phil Spencer, Phil yeah. games should be as accessible as possible, Spencer. You're yeah. telling me that he. There's no way. He he said a game was exclusive. He did, believe it or not. Oh, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Well, you know what will help me get over that disappointment, Chris? Uh, Need for Speed. Need for Speed Unbound, baby. Hell EA yeah. has managed to get a 2022 announcement past the finish line just before the end of the year. Nice. Need for Thank Speed you. Unbound is due to a launch in December and features a new art style that mixes its anime inspiration with a more realistic flair. I would almost argue that it's the reverse. It's realistic with an animation flair. But I'll give you your credit. So yeah, uh, it's developed by Criterion, as you've heard me talk about before, and we can only hope that they can find the same success they found during the PS2 and PS3 era. Have fun, Brett. I don't care. Guess what, Chris? <laughs> uh, My personal dislike of the Criterion Need for Speed specific games does not play into anything here other than the fact that I had, and I'm willing to admit, 
that at least what I was worried about, I feel like I can be proven as being wrong now. Um, but Criterion developed a lot of the late PS3 um, games for, uh, and technically, I guess the earliest PS4 game with uh, Need for Speed Rivals for Need for Speed. And I didn't really like any of them. Uh, I felt like they didn't embody what I felt like Need for Speed was at that time. And that was a real experimental time for Need for Speed. Uh, I don't know if you played a lot of those, Chris, but there was like Need for Speed Pro Street, which is like a much more realistic take. Like before races, you'd have to like warm your tires up to the perfect traction point and stuff. Uh, There was Need for Speed Shift, uh, which was a little more sim-ish inspired as well. I played they had Need for Speed The Run. They had uh, the one where you could sections where you'd get out of the car. <laughs> so Need for Speed was in a bit of an identity crisis anyway. But where I felt like they got me was that they, they did Need for Speed Most Wanted. Criterion did. And they took every single thing that made Most Wanted what it was and said, nah. <laughs> I don't, I remember that the game looked graphically very pleasing. I thought that the the reveal trailer they did for it looked so cool, and then I played it and I was excited because they did Criterion themselves developed a PS Vita port. Yep, they did not outsource it to anybody else, and it was an excellent. It's port. great. Mm-hmm. It's so port quality, fantastic. Still holds up today. If it just, it looks great, it feels great. It has every bit of gameplay that I want nowhere to be found. Um, yeah. Unfortunately. I just so hope they can I was get worried back about to that. Uh, Burnout 3, Burnout Takedown, Burnout Paradise. You know, now see, this, maybe they can get back to Burnout. Mm-hmm. Who needs Need for Speed? Well, here's the no, thing. I know you like Need for Speed, but I don't care. Burnout, why? It's not, it's not, it's not going to happen now. And, why? And this is a, for, for the same reason as why this game doesn't exhibit any of the worries that I had for it. And I knew this going along this whole time, but I had to hope that that actually was the case and turns out they proved the skeptical part of me wrong which i'm glad (coughs) this is not the criterion that created burnout this is not the criterion that made need for speed hot pursuit 2 need for speed rivals need for speed most wanted this is not that developer it is the same developer in name in spirit, this is a development team that moved to becoming a support studio for so long that any of the people that drove the creative aspects for those uh, those parts of each series are gone. The creators yeah. for Burnout we know left, and they made that dangerous driving game. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. So it wasn't very good, if I remember. I don't think so either, but it was also a very low-budget game, and they did make a dangerous driving too. Maybe it was better. I do not know. But where I'm going at there, it's kind of like when people talk about, like, you can love Naughty Dog, right? But you almost have to talk about era of Naughty Dog. The Naughty Dog that made The Last of Us and The Last of Us Part <coughs> 2 is not the Naughty Dog that made Crash Bandicoot. It's just not. No. And there's that part of people that's like, I want Naughty Dog to make a new Crash Bandicoot. But do you? Do you really? Because the guy who made Crash Bandicoot and had the heart and crux of what that character was is no longer there. Like, I'd love to see Sucker Punch, who are celebrating their 25th anniversary, by the way. Uh, I'd love to see them return to Sly. But that's also because Nate Fox and a lot of the people that were involved in creating Sly are still there and can still give that input. True. Neil Druckmann was involved in 
Jack. So you could say like him coming and making a new Jack and Daxter. I could see the connection where Jack two and three, I could see the modern day Naughty Dog making that. But basically (laughs) what you want from them and Burnout, and I love Burnout. I never once didn't like a Burnout game. Paradise, amazing. Burnout 3, oh my God, so good. But that's because that was their creative baby and that was a team. And I always felt like it was weird to me that you gave them Need for Speed because those two games are so different from each other. Even though they're both racing games, they approach races, racing and destruction and all these things in very different ways. Burnout Paradise is still a super fun game. I played and it loved is. and platinum the remaster. I don't want Need for Speed to be Burnout, but I also don't want it to be whatever they came up with, which was half Burnout, half new ideas for Need for Speed. And not that Need for Speed doesn't need new ideas, but there's a there's a version of that identity that I like the most. And I'm glad to see that all of my worries for that in particular, car customization, uh, having a lot of adjustability and what you can do with your racing and everything, all of that is there, and I'm glad to see that. And I'm really liking the fact that they have that underground, you know, racer flair back in, back in action. That doesn't. I'm excited to get the game, and I will absolutely play the game. That does not mean that there can't be a whole new list of worries or complaints that come from this game. But right now, I'm excited, and I hope it does well. So, Chris, one of these days, you'll have to just hope that EA goes to a new developer gives them burnout and says, do something with burnout. And you got to hope that whoever it is looks to the history of burnout and tries to make a game as faithful to it as possible. Yeah. I mean, we can only pray. We can only pray. Mm. Moving along. Moving along. Brazil has ruled in favor of Microsoft in its quest to lock up Activision Blizzard King. The the regulator cited Sony's history of buying exclusives as a way to bolster its lineup and garner success. They also noted that even if Microsoft does pull the rug out from everyone and turn Call of Duty into an exclusive product, Sony has the means to survive and wisely noted that Nintendo has done things this way for years. Great point. Uh, There are still major hurdles to jump for... Lion Phil Spencer. <laughs> God, what a jab, Chris. But with each day comes good news for Xbox, including the recent revelation that Game Pass made $2.9 billion in gross revenue last year, uh, also revealed as part of the filings. Um, that 2.9 is so interesting because, like, I've always, this is strictly curiosity on my side, a product like Game Pass or a service, it's not a product. How do you determine cost against it? Is it, like, how do they determine profit against it? Like, do they put cost of studios against it to some degree? If so, how do they determine what percentage of their studios accounts for Game Pass cost? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's and hard. It's strictly a curiosity. It's hard. We'll never know. Who, who knows, right? Because it doesn't, even if they're... Pri- <sighs> I don't know, because I'm having trouble even talking about it, because at a certain point, it's like, who cares, make games. But then you look at this, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay, last year they made $2.9 billion. That doesn't even cover buying Bethesda, let alone developing $100 million games. So mm-hmm. I have no idea. I don't understand it. I don't know. Well, but you know, like when I'm looking at it, I'm luck. thinking like, 
So say somebody plays a game, a third party game on mm. Game Pass. Yeah. Right? They paid for that to be on there. Okay, fine, whatever. If somebody buys a microtransaction in that game, not their game, not a first party game, but in yeah. that third party game, do they take the 30% cut of Microsoft of Xbox from that and say because this was bought through a game that someone played on Game Pass, all or a percentage of that 30% goes towards profit for Game Pass? Most likely. It would be very interesting. It's, just a, it's a curiosity. Of to do know? that. Yeah, and like, how do they break up revenue from a first-party game? Do they just say, well, if you if you buy something microtransaction related to Sea of Thieves, it's all profit for us. So, you know what I mean? It's all revenue for us. It doesn't go anywhere else. So we just take the profit and split it 50-50. 50% of it goes to the developer and towards the what we consider success of this game and 50% of it goes towards what we consider success of Game Pass. It's a it's an incredibly curious thing that I know we'll never know the answer to, but it's a certainly interesting uh, question to just kind of ponder. Um, one thing we didn't really t- that we we didn't mention here, but I think it's worth noting uh, in the Discord, Noted. we had uh, I think it was Rude Days ninety three, um, maybe it was the Lord Corgi. Somebody posted what I can. <laughs> I don't even know how to word it. But it's essentially like Microsoft creating a website to pat themselves on the back and try and PR blast everybody with what can arguably just be called propaganda. It's straight up propaganda, yeah. About the Activision purchase. And the reason I say that is, and I think it it goes towards your thing of lying, Phil Spencer. First of all, when we say these things about anybody, we crack stuff at... Jim Ryan, all the time. Crying Jim Ryan. These are people who are in a position where they're trying to make money. Their whole purpose is to try and find ways to say things that are basically lies that they can spend to look as good as possible for PR reasons. That is their job. I understand that. Not even really getting... I'm not belittling the fact that that's what they're supposed to do as much as as a consumer i lament the fact that this is how these things go so playstation does stuff like this all the time all the time but in this particular case i want to point out that by all means and everything that there is microsoft is going to close on activision there is no reason that i can understand that, that Microsoft or Xbox would feel the need to make this page outside of just being self-aggrandizing and technically lying. <laughs> and the reason I say that is a quote that is often talked about and even on that actual website, I want to go find the actual quote because I think it's hilarious, is that they often talk about how they want to make gaming more accessible and they want to put games in more people's hands and with less boundaries. And we've said a million times here that they clearly work against that interest. They clearly do. Uh, That is nothing more than just something they can throw out there and say because, of course, it looks good to throw that out there. But when you look at their actual statement that they gave for it, 
and I'm, I'm, I think I'm getting close to it because <clears throat> I, I found it just. Is it the one so where they wildly. said that even even with this purchase, called uh, Nintendo and Sony will still be the market leaders, which is a hilarious thing to say when you're yeah, making I, a sixty-seven yeah. billion dollar purchase. You're not yeah, trying to win. Yeah, even if even if that's true, first of all, right? Say that's completely true. What you're still doing is doing everything you can to change the perception for your particular move that you're doing. And I guess it's because they're trying to combat any potential negative PR that's coming from this. But at this point, I you know they they do you remember when they announced the Bethesda purchase mm-hmm. and people kept trying to ask Phil questions and he said, "I'm not going to talk about this until we've acquired them." Yeah. Smartest thing he could have ever said. And they mostly stuck to their guns on that. Yep. They slipped and said a few things of like, well, this is how we would do things, but they mostly stuck to their guns. And I appreciated that because I think it's the right way to view that. But I feel like with this one, partially because it's a much bigger purchase, it has much more impact on the industry at large. And it's getting a far more it's getting far more scrutinized by regulation boards. So with that in mind, I don't know why they didn't just follow the same thing. Out, we're outside of what the regulators require us to say. We will not say anything, dude, I, until I, they are ours. So let's not just, talk about business that doesn't pertain to us. Until I, I've been saying, I think Microsoft a hundred percent knew that this was a super risky play and it might not get approved. So they're playing damage control. They didn't have to do that with Bethesda. So they were like, "Fuck it!" Like. Who knows if Starfield's ever coming to PS5? I don't know. But like, I think now they know, like, hey, we might not be able to push this through if we don't play nice. But like, yeah. to me, if they just said, you guys can have Call of Duty forever, everything else is exclusive, it would be over by now. Sony would not care. They only care about Call of Duty. So just leave Call of Duty multi-platform, unlock Overwatch and Diablo if you want. But leave Call of Duty alone. Just acquiesce on that. And then you're good. I don't understand it. Man, but, I'm going so far back. I probably could have found this a completely different way at yeah, this you point. Could have just Googled it. Absolutely <clears throat> could have. But you know what? I wanted to know exactly who shared it in our Discord, which you can join by going to the link in the description below. Hop it in there. And then guess what? If you become a patron, you get a cool colored name. And that lets us know you hop in. We see that cool colored name. We're like, oh, hell yeah. It's a patron. That's cool. We appreciate that. <laughs> That was some uh, impressive vamping. So it was the Lord Corgi who shared it. And the the opening line for the website is our vision for gaming. More choice <laughs> and more games for people everywhere. All right. And one of the things I often say is some people are like, well, they mean uh they mean systems with game pass on it and even if that is what they mean take the two seconds to type that clarification after the sentence of we want games with less boundaries we want games on every platform put every platform that has game pass they also specifically call out um sony too they call out the playstation as a platform for their games it's like why are Mm -hmm. you doing this you guys are stupid so here's my, this is, I think this is really interesting because this is directly below that. The rest of the opening statement, players and developers are at the center of Xbox. We want to enable people to play games anywhere, anytime, and on any device. 
I don't even want, I don't even care to read the rest of it. But the, the bottom part of it all is when we do this, we all win. That's why we're sharing more on the industry and how our acquisition of Activision Blizzard fits into our gaming strategy. Then they have this kind of list of what they view as the benefits for each section of people who will be impacted or of things that could be impacted by such a change. So benefits for the players. More games on more devices, including Xbox, <coughs> PlayStation, phones, and online. Choice in how and where people buy games with subscription and one-off purchase options. Now, mind you, this is verbatim. Everything I've said, verbatim. For the 95% of gamers who play on phones, alternatives to gaming offerings from the dominant mobile platforms. Okay. So let's look at that one specifically for a second. More games on more devices, including PlayStation. And yes, we're going to talk about PlayStation because we're a PlayStation podcast, but that does matter. Choice in how and where you buy these games, be it subscription or one-off purchases. So I feel like that already starts to kind of break down that Game Pass thing. What they're saying, regardless of how they're actually pushing their message out there and living by the word that they're saying here, what they're saying is that I should be able to play these games on PlayStation and have a choice of how I buy them, not strictly through Game Pass. And that leads you to the same thing. Fine. Fine. Do you know what that means? If that is true, Starfield, The Elder Scrolls 6, The Outer Worlds 2, hell, your own exclusive games, your own first-party games, before any... Put Halo. Shit, put Halo. If you want me to be able to do these things, and this is your mission statement, mm-hmm. why can I not buy Halo on PlayStation. Look, here's the thing. Like for me, I I have been on this podcast for a long time saying I like exclusives. I don't mind them. Yeah. If same. they wanted to do the best of both worlds, they should have come out and been like, because we bought a publisher with legacy on other consoles, which was something they said. Um, it should be Elder Scrolls Six. It's coming. Fallout Five. It's coming. Doom yep. Three. Coming. Starfield exclusive. I've always thought that. Yeah. I've Starf- always thought that. Why wouldn't you do even that? Star? Even Starfield, I think. Yeah, even Starfield, I think, was on slippery ground because it was clearly announced as a multi-platform game. 100%. But you're right in the fact that it doesn't have legacy. So you right. know what? If that was their starting point, listen, Starfield, by all intents and purposes, is a new IP. We're investing in finishing this game by buying this company and so we're going to choose to keep that exclusive. But if you've loved this franchise and you played it on your thing, bam, Hellblade Two on Xbox. Cool, but even Hellblade, Hellblade One, yeah, Hellblade doesn't even really game. Well, well, what I meant was, uh, yeah, what I meant was Hellblade on on PlayStation. Sorry, yeah, Hellblade Two you can play on PlayStation. Now, and that, I think that one's a little less important than it is. Something but it, like it also shows the pettiness that Microsoft is trying to do <laughs> both things because the PS Five version of Hellblade does not exist, but the Series S or X one does. So they yeah. just they're full of shit. Now, now here's the weird thing, company, right? But, I don't. I don't want to jump the gun because I know we're kind of talking about this. And I think that I do mainly want to talk about this for what they're talking about and how I feel like they are talking out of both sides of their mouth, specifically in relation to consumers. I don't care about what PlayStation thinks and what anybody else thinks. I think about what gamers who are reading this and and seeing this and going, Xbox says they want me to be able to buy games 
in whatever way I see fit on whatever device I see fit. And yet everything that I get marketed towards me says I can't. Right. That's exactly, that's all that matters to me in the way they're saying this. And I've said before, I think that Xbox's best thing is either be silent, say nothing, or if you want to come out and say things, be specific. Mm -hmm. Be clear. Say, we want these games as exclusive to our ecosystem. Now, Ideally, we want our ecosystem on every platform that we can get it on, including PlayStation. And then at that point, it at least puts the impetus on PlayStation. PlayStation does not have to agree to put Game Pass on there or anything, but it tells it's Microsoft putting their cards on the table and saying, this is, our, this is our game, and you will be able to play it on our service no matter what device it's on, but it has to be through our service. But that's not what they've been saying. Uh, so without harping on this too much more, I think the interesting thing is actually a follow-up piece of news here because it goes, you're talking about Hellblade and how there's not a PS5 version, yet, weirdly enough, a PS5 slash series version of one of Gen 7's best games, Obsidian's The Outer Worlds, is seemingly docking soon. It's been rated in Taiwan as the Outer Worlds Spacer's Choice Edition. PlayStation gamers can replay Obsidian's swan song and shed a bucket full of tears about the loss of one of the industry's best developers on their console of choice. But remember, suicide is a crime against the corporation. Oh, Chris, I'm so glad you ended up loving that game. So good. Living in a world where I know that you would continue to shit on that game would have been hard to do because it's such a great game. It's um, a beauty. But it goes, th- this is exactly what I'm talking about. Why? And PlayStation has had a few of these moments lately, but they've also not had the exact same messaging that they've been saying. You know, there's one thing about looking at messaging from a company a year and a half ago to what they're doing now because a lot can change in a year and a half. And that's why I remember Rude Days was talking and saying, well, he's you know, he's saying every system that has Game Pass, and he said that in the past. And I say, well, okay, if he has said that in the past, then great. I'm glad he has. But they have a brand new website that they just made strictly for this acquisition, and their choice of words was anywhere, anytime, on any device. Mm-hmm. And that's just patently against what they're saying. It's even against what they're claiming as what they were wanting to do with micro with a uh, call of duty where they wanted call of duty to get, Hey, we'll, we'll give you three more years on PlayStation and then it'll go exclusive. How is that in the spirit of what you're talking about? And I think that both companies should be held accountable for the things they say this way. And us as consumers need to try and be like, need to try and vocalize the fact that we see and can clearly understand that they are just trying to essentially pay play politics with us. They're trying to win our vote by PR moves. Right. Empty promises. <laughs> uh, but so there is a good, pretty good reason why this is coming, you know, and it's Watch because that. the outer worlds one is a private division game. It is a private division game. And that means that since it's not published by Bethesda, mm-hmm. or, you know, because outer because they weren't yeah because Obsidian was an independent developer that it can come out this way. Now Hellblade was self published, so that means Hellblade does have the ability to say we you know our studio published it, therefore we have publishing rights now. Um, but it's interesting to say the absolute least. Uh, so I'm excited to play this game again and hopefully looking better because as much as I love the game. It's not the best looking game, if I'm being I honest. 
but I didn't mind. It's, it's a great game regardless of what it looks like. So I'm this, excited to hop back into that. This and Persona 5. Buy an instantly, even if it's full price. Don't care. Give it to me. <laughs> well, as... Uh, Seemingly, this would probably be private division's choice to price how they see fit. Mm-hmm. Seeming, seemingly, um, but the the curiosity there is uh, seventy dollars games making their way to Switch with Skyrim Special Edition or Anniversary Edition is uh, probably telling me that as often as possible that developers feel like they can get full price, they will. In for this case, I think players. full price for the it, players. <laughs> In this case, I do think that full price will probably mean $60. I would actually be a little surprised if this game hits a 70. Not a crazy surprise. Sell it for 80. I don't care. I want to play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, it's, it's yeah, so we'll, we'll move on there. Uh, next thing up, God of War Ragnarok has gone gold ahead of its November release date. So that's awesome. That game is like, what, four weeks out now? We're close. Oh, Day before man. my birthday, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, the interesting part of Santa Monica's announcement was that the number of support studios they had on the project, PS Creative Arts, Valkyrie Entertainment, Red Hot, Super Alloy, Jetpack Studios, Super Alloy, twice apparently, Super Oops, Genius, sorry. and most interestingly, Blue Point Studios helped with the project. Speaking of those support studios, it would appear that Jetpack Studios is continuing its work with Sony. The team is currently hiring to help support one of the in-development live service games. Jetpack was the studio behind the 2018 uh, God of War's port to PC. So, not surprising. They're using a studio that already had an understanding of Santa Monica's tools and how they worked. Um, and considering that there's a piece of news uh, a little bit further down uh, in regards to Sony and how they're handling PC, not a surprising move. Um, Blue Point was like the standout studio for a lot of people, partially because they're the most name, like recognizable name. Um, this is not surprising at all. While Blue Point is in this stage between games, it makes total sense to me that they as masters of being able to reverse engineer things. And just also they have a pretty solid art team, which is be able to help bump in probably some help in terms of getting the game running better on systems may have even honestly just been that blue point has more experience with PlayStation five than Sony uh, than Santa Monica did considering that they shipped the game on PS five already. I was just surprised because I didn't know how they'd find time between bloodborne two to, and the remaster to do this. That was my thing. But you guys are clearly you didn't know working it's on be a Bloodborne 2. Hmm? <laughs> it's going to be a take, remake, man. I'll take a Bloodborne remake. Give me Bloodborne. Hell, give me Bloodborne <laughs> one, 1 Song of the Night plus 2 days over. We finally made the goddamn sequel, you assholes. Stop asking. That's what I would want. <laughs> so, this is a weird... Uh, I don't. I think it's an observation because at this point, I think it's probably a, a somewhat foregone conclusion as well. But uh, one of the guys in the Discord, Swanland, was saying that at this point, he doesn't. The only way he could see Bloodborne coming back around wouldn't even be a remaster. It would just be a straight up remake. I don't know. I, I feel like I agree with that to the point where I consider it a foregone conclusion, and that's because a lot of people talk about the frame pacing with Bloodborne. But I'm gonna tell you, I platinum Bloodborne last year. And even though the frame pacing is there and it's a minor issue, 
I don't really think it stops it from being remasterable. But I also think that Sony has hit this point where The Last of Us got a remake. Why not just go ahead and remake Bloodborne at that point? But I want them to see... I want them to remake Bloodborne because I want to see which of these goddamn people have the audacity to whine about or to not whine about a Bloodborne remake. I want to see who has the balls to not say a thing about Bloodborne because people want a Bloodborne remake. They're begging for it. But we get a Last of Us one and everybody loses their mind. Yeah. And if it doesn't matter, remaster or remake, it doesn't matter because either way, that shit is going to be celebrated to the moon. People are going to be so excited. We want to, and then we want to sit here and cry about The Last of Us. If, if Bloodborne remake or remaster happens and people do not whine about it, I will just never listen to what anyone has to say about video games again. You know, it is weird because I feel like there's a severity uh, severity standpoint where I agree that the the playing field should be even. Uh, but at the same time, I think the big difference is like The Last of Us sold tens of millions of copies across two systems already. Uh, and then you have this thing where it's like Bloodborne sold from as much as we can tell somewhere in the ballpark of 2.1 million on one system. And so once a more niche game with a more niche following and that that type of game has certainly grown since then. Dark Souls 2 and Dark Souls 3 came out and were even bigger than Bloodborne. And then Sekiro was also massive for them. And then Elden Ring became this monstrous 35 million selling copy game out, seemingly out of nowhere. And so I think there will be people who will make this argument of because Bloodborne's a more niche title that has more issues in its PS4 version that it would justify a remake before something like The Last of Us. Uh, but I still agree with you. I agree sounds, with you that if you're going to complain like, about one, complain about both. That's a lot of words for I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. So, you know? And again, Every, and you know I'm, the beauty? Fine, I'm fine with it. Everyone's, everyone's a hypocrite eventually. It's my favorite. It, it's true. Yeah. As much as no one wants to be a hypocrite, but we all know there's a time or something that will happen where suddenly we will become a hypocrite. We will we will act against what we say. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in that sense, maybe I should give Microsoft a little bit of a break. No. <laughs> for being a continual hypocrite. But you know what? That's also They're not, not one person. Being a liar. That's an entire that's an entire corporation of people. Where somebody should be able to come in and say, hey, we're a group of people and you represent us all. Stop it. <laughs> uh, you want a class action on it? <laughs> yeah, let's class action this baby. Phil Spencer said I should be able to play games anywhere, anytime, on any device. Release, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised release if there's Elder a Scrolls lawyer 6 who could win for Atari 64. <laughs> Atari, Atari Jaguar, please. That Man, could you imagine if it got funny. that crazy? Dude, that would be if funny. They, if they released it on a on Atari Jaguar before PlayStation 5, that would honestly be the most great petty move in all of existence. That would be so great. The great petty move would be releasing it on Vita. <laughs> <laughs> we just have Listen, Phil Spencer guys, in a press conference. Said we made it, it on for Vita and they closed the store. So we can't release it on PlayStation consoles. Look, we have a playable build right here. 
the funny thing is, just have the PS5 build that they totally have for the game and just have it remote playing to the Vita. <laughs> and just pretend it's the Vita version. Using oh, Gaikai man. Tech. Yeah, that would be so good. Man. I'm still... I didn't even use it a lot, but I'm still a little salty that you cannot remote play PS5 to Vita because there's no reason that you shouldn't be able to. Other than I'm that, it's like that we're not going to support it. Do it to, P- to PS3. It says you can, and they're like, no game in existence works except MLB 08. Well, Shadow of the Colossus and Ico Collection. Oh, <laughs> that's actually not a joke. That totally does work, but it's a very that. small amount of games. It's it's <laughs> super small. What's next? Oh, man. In an investor's call, CD Projekt Red has pulled a faggy and announced their future game output. It started with the announcement of Orion, a new game set in the world of cyberpunk. I know, mind blown, one of the most controversial games of uh, uh, technically of the next generation of the current generation of consoles, even though it was a previous gen game, too, uh, is getting a sequel. Next up are The Witcher Polaris, The Witcher Canis Majoris. And The Witcher series. Polaris is the first game in a new trilogy in the Witcher universe and will release its entries over six years. Here's a really important thing. CD Projekt Red, to support this output, has had to have either grown or planned to grow considerably. Disagree. Oh, in terms of headcount, yes. Never mind. Yes. Yes. Uh, the only thing is, one of the Witcher games, one of those three, if I'm not mistaken, it may not be the trilogy. Actually, there was one other game, but there is a game. Being the news. Oh, oh, sorry, it turned <laughs> page. I didn't realize. Canis Majoris is an externally developed set uh, game set in the Witcher universe and is being done by a studio of experienced developers who have worked with the franchise before. Sirius is the last in a Witcher-related announcements and is a game developed by Molasses Flood. And they're being supported by CD Projekt Red. It's a multiplayer game. Lastly is Hadar. It's a new IP, and it is the furthest game out with it not being anything more than Tears in the Rain for now. (laughs) All in all, the studio announced seven games, so apparently the nightmarish launch of 2077 hasn't scared the studio off from busting their load a little early. And this is my point to not be a hypocrite and say it's a mixed bag, but... I always talk about games being announced too early. You do? My, where I tend to talk about this is when people bring games to showcases, show them off with CG trailers that give you this idea that this is something that's tangible and that you'll see soon, and then it's just not. We haven't seen Everwild since they initially showed it. Chances are we're probably not going to see it for a while longer. Game's dead. Um, somebody just said they accepted a position at rare working on both sea of thieves and Everwild. So who knows? Um, point being, I still agree with that in the sense of, I think that there's a problem with games being announced too early. And I still think that this lands somewhere on that. I don't think we need to know this much, but I feel the same way about Marvel. And I know I'm in the minority there. I don't think I need to know about the next three years of Marvel movies. Cause it doesn't really change anything, in my opinion. I just need to know about the next one. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is they the moved next a one, bunch of release dates today. 
Did they really? Yeah. I'm not surprised. They do that every time, which begs the question, why did you rush out to set the to put these stupid dates on stuff anyway? Sony do the same thing. We're going to do a new Spider-Man villain universe movie and then oh never mind, we're going to move it. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm in WB. Oh, we're going to have the Flash out. You know how many times that the Flash has been delayed? <laughs> why did you even announce it? Why did you announce it before you had a trailer ready? You know the crazier part? We haven't even had a trailer for The Flash, and it's been announced for th- four years? How? Yeah. So the, the point stands across both things from gaming and not. Why do we need to know about these things this early? Why not show me them when they're ready? Why don't you go, hey, guys, we're, going, we're coming back strong with the Witcher universe, and there's going to be multiple Witcher games, but today we're talking about the next entry, and we're going to talk to you about the fact that the next game is going to be the start of something new. That's all you have to say. That's it. Why? Yeah, so I've advocated for this exact thing on the show, so I'm super, super happy about this. I know you are. I know you are. Me and you are very different people in that regard. Well, because this, I think, is cool. This goes, okay, I don't have to think about CD Projekt Red and wonder what they're doing, where instead we spend half our time talking about, what's Gorilla doing? Because they haven't said anything in five years. Gorilla's a bad example. It's just released Horizon. But yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather be like, yeah, this is what they're doing. Okay, that's that's cool. No, I think transparency is really interesting. And I think doing it this way in particular, I, the, I think the reason it doesn't rub me as wrong is because this is clearly meant to be like, hey, we're just kind of giving you a, a loose roadmap and showing that, A, cyberpunk is not a dead property. And I, th- I wouldn't be surprised if some people thought it was. And, you know, when you're looking at the success of Cyberpunk Edge Runners, which I started, by the way, I'm two episodes, I've, I've finished two episodes and it's really good. Um, but when you have something like Cyberpunk Edge Runners doing really great things for your IP that you have right now and it's correlating back into game sales, for certain people who may feel like, do I really want to give all this time to Cyberpunk when it might be a dead franchise? Now they know, hey, there is going to be a sequel. There is going to be DLC. So I think these things stand to benefit <clears throat> people who kind of just get to know that there's a future there. Uh, and also, all of these are, are code names, which means they're not trying to act like this is anything approaching a finished product. These are ideas. These are plans that are subject to change. This is not a CG trailer to show you what our game's going to look like. But guess what? By the time our game comes out, it doesn't look anything like this. You know? It's like, what's the point of uh, one of the things that's not in the news, but it's just something I find interesting. Uh, Did you see that Beyond Good and Evil 2 has surpassed uh, Duke Nukem Forever for being the longest delayed game ever? I did see that. From announcement. So at what point did all of these CG trailers for Beyond Good and Evil that you showed give any value towards the game? At what point? They were now, cool. Is it, it's way different to say, hey, we've been talking about the fact that we've been working on a Beyond, and Good, Beyond Good and Evil sequel for 14 years, 10 years, 12 years, 7 years, whatever it be. That's a very different thing than saying, like, here's a look at the game that's also right. not anywhere close to being a game. Pigman, look HD, heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a real big issue to me. I think that there's a point where 
announcing plans with code names and just being like, this is a transparent look at what we're hoping is our future and what we're planning towards being our future and being like, ha ha, perfect dark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> here's a trailer for, here's a very vague trailer for perfect dark. We don't even know what the game is yet. Yay. So I don't know. A lot of games, a lot of games and media in general have that problem for me, but we'll see what ends up happening. I'm glad to see that this is partially because I'm a stockholder for CD Projekt Red. I'm glad to see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Bud. If it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel better, I bought on a super low. To be oh, fair, I have it's 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 gone down more, but not drastically. I didn't fair. I didn't buy like at a high. I bought after Cyberpunk crashed because I believe that they were going to turn it around. And I'm not wrong. They have turned it around. I don't know that their stock has necessarily turned around yet, but no, it has not. Time will tell. Um, it's okay. I bought Disney so, at 150. Yeah. So it's at 91 last I checked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next thing up. Uh, <clears throat> PlayStation stars is out and active. If you can, call what it is that you can sign up through your phone app today the service does seem to be garnering some negative press given the ratio of coins to purchases but there's a saying about looking a gift horse in the mouth no um you, <laughs> you know did not, not that, that I, fervor because you're going to complain about this one aren't you <laughs> yeah not not badly it's honestly just uh i shouldn't have been surprised i remember i signed up for it and then I looked and I thought, oh, cool. One of the things is to buy a game from the PlayStation Store. And it has to be one of the games on the list. And I was like, well, I bought The Last of Us Part 1. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll just give it to me. No. Because yep. I had to have bought it after this. But I then had the that same kind thing of, with Inscription. It, in my head, I thought to myself, what if I was a guy who bought every single one of these games and then they launched this service, and there was absolutely no way for me to get this <laughs> reward. Yeah. Because I can't even try and buy the game again. And I thought, that's a bad way to do it. I think I can get them to give me some uh, rewards points for all my PS2 purchases. Who uh, <laughs> Can you send receipts into Sony Rewards? <laughs> send them no, a picture um, of uh, the getaway and be like, I'd like my points, please. So this is a weird side tangent to go on to but is this many a community's who, take side tangent no no okay. this is really just something i think could be i don't want to say a solution but it also might be a reason for why something's been taken too long so as you know i get reward points for my playstation credit card and one of our listeners had also recently gotten one and i feel a little unfortunate because i do talk about the card a lot and most of my years with the card have been fantastic, but these last since June, I've not received any points because Community, the bank behind the card, has apparently had some issues. Um, they're supposed to be giving bulk points when this is all said and done, but I almost wonder if they've been waiting for PlayStation Stars to launch since it is part of a, it's considered a new rewards thing. And I almost wonder if what they're doing is for PlayStation card holders who specifically PlayStation cards, not necessarily Sony cards, which as far as I can tell, have also been having issues. Um, but with it being a PlayStation card, if they're going to convert everything and start having it to where your rewards that you get go towards your PlayStation stars, 
or not. And the reason I'm apprehensive as to whether that is going to be the solution that they're aiming for is that PlayStation Stars has a level system. So if they give people who are card holders points and rewards for things and so that they can use those reward points there to buy PlayStation Store credit and whatnot, I feel like the issue would come into card holders would end up leveling vastly faster and getting more rewards than non-card holders. And then you end up with this thing of where it's like, well, now they're trying to get you to get their card. But they've also already said that if you reach a certain level in stars, you're going to get priority customer service. So maybe it's not that far outside of the realm of possibility. Maybe. I don't know. I My entire take on this is that it's free. Like, who cares? Yeah. Like, I, I get just it. Think it that sucks that you have to buy like 350 games to get one free one. But if you're using an app like this to get free games, you're doing it wrong. You should be using an app like this yeah. with the expectation that you might get a free game eventually. Now, yeah. 350 games for one game is ridiculous, especially when it's not new games. It's like Sekiro. But still, like it's it's a free it's a, it's zero it's zero investment from you and you're getting stuff for things you were gonna do anyway. Yeah, I, I think the only issue they run into is that anytime you come out <clears> with something, and, and Xbox had the inverse version of this, anytime that you come out with something that your competitor is doing a similar version of, you're going to be compared. It's the nature of competition. And so much as when Games with Gold came out and essentially just copied PS Plus, Games with Gold has often been criticized for not being as good as PS Plus. Mm-hmm. That's that was just the thing. Um, just like Game Pass has often been compared against PS Now, uh, even though I feel like at some point in time they weren't quite the same service, but different conversation, different day. Point being is that things that are similar enough in nature are going to be consumed uh, co- compared by consumers. So I think what's happening here is a lot of people have been seeing all the cool stuff that for years people have been doing with the Microsoft Xbox reward system and thought Sony was going to do something similar and this is not similar enough. Or you know what I mean? The quality and the push to do stuff is not as rewarding as what Microsoft is offering. So people are kind of doing the, well, the grass is greener on the other side, which is sometimes true. Uh, So I think it's just the sake of people wanted more even if in an isolated cube by itself, yes, it's something that you're getting benefits from for something you were going to do anyway. It's not unreasonable for people to be like, I expected more. I think it is. Whether or not. Yeah. I think it is. Because the, the difference I, is you do not pay for this. There is not a penny of investment in this for you. There is a penny mm-hmm. of investment in game, game games of gold. So I understand complaining about this. This yeah, because is you have to, zero you're putting dollars. your investment. Right. I I think this is like a you're investing your time in the ecosystem, and the the promise of what this is is to reward you for the time you're putting in this ecosystem that you chose over the opposing ecosystem. And when the opposing ecosystem is rewarding people better, and this one that you're you've been waiting like finally I'll get rewarded for being part of this ecosystem, and you're like it's not even close. Even uh, if even if your point stands, this is free there's no monetary investment i don't think that depending on the level of critique that people give it i don't think it's crazy for someone to go i really thought this could have been better 
No, okay. I, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying the service couldn't be better. I'm saying complaining about it to the degree that people are is kind of ridiculous. This reminds me, <laughs> it's a hell of an analogy, but this reminds me of pe- of someone who would complain about getting a blowjob because the woman used 10% less tongue than he wanted. <laughs> Still got a blowjob. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I've gotten a blowjob with with ten percent less tongue than I wanted. It was disappointing. I still, I still got a blowjob. <laughs> a nut is a nut is a nut is a nut. Any holes a goal, baby. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So yeah, I I want to see PlayStation Stars grow into something better. But I mean, like you said, it's something that's free. That's just part of. I think the interesting part of stars that could end up blossoming into something really cool is the level system because mm-hmm. i think that for me i've always thought the level system behind trophies and the idea of, of, of a platinum and kind of this idea of tiers in which your reward your platinums or your trophies are being looked at was more compelling to me than an overall big gamer score number yeah i agree they're with both that completely they both tap into gaming ideology, right? There's people that like being like, I'm level 472. Ha ha That's higher than you. And then there's people that's like, I got the high score on Pac-Man. 3,472,000. So <laughs> point being is that they both tap into different things. And I think it just depends on what type of gamer you are. But I do like the novelty of this being a secondary level system to a degree of like, well, this is my level towards this. But it also depends on how you earn that. My hope is that it was going to be kind of challenge-based, like do something like this in a game or earn something like this. And the jury's out on whether that's what it will be, but it has the potential to grow into that. The only thing is, is like at that point, could they not have just tied it with your trophy thing to where like, so I guess it's not a trophy level. They're two different things. So I guess there's a, a good reason not to, but... You start to add too many levels, they all start to kind of lose their meaning, right? Yeah, it's true. Or at least you run the risk of doing so. Uh, next thing up on the news, though, speaking to YouTuber Julian Chies, Herman Hulst has given some clarity to gamers on Sony's strategy for releases in the future. He indicated that while most games would come exclusively to Sony's flagship console, PC gamers won't have to wait as long as they've become accustomed. With the exception of games as a service, Sony published games will come to PC around a year after its initial PS5 release. This interview contained a few more tidbits of information, like Sony's entanglement with From uh, with FromSoft, potentially enabling enabling movies and television collaborations between the companies, and Holst raising the number of in-development games as a service to 12 from the previously stated 10. Um, one other thing that was interesting about that uh, interview was he did not, I, I won't even say ruled out, he alluded to the potential for more PS4 games in the future. Oh, yeah. Gen. He did. And more acquisitions. So, yeah, and interestingly, I want to reread Sony it. like a glove. I'd want, I want to see because... Yeah, <clears throat> I want to see if I can find it real quick. Um, because I feel like I saw... I, I did watch most of it. Oh, here it is. Okay, so... 
I want to see if what I want to read this to actually know what it's kind of pointing towards. The headline that caught my eye earlier and I didn't get to read it was PlayStation Studios head says Sony isn't taking devs off market with acquisitions. And I think that's an interesting wording because technically we've seen that be true with their acquisition of Bungie. So I want to see if he's trying to say that more of their future acquisitions are going to play into that style or not. Um, So let me read this real quick. He says, this is apparently direct quote. We have welcomed seven studios into PlayStation studios over the last couple of years. I want to be very clear that this is not an arms race. We are always working with teams that have a strong creative vision that we feel fit PlayStation Studios culture like a glove, which they do. That's really important to us. And also, a lot of these teams were actually helping stem them up. So we recently acquired Haven, and that's our first studio in Quebec, first studio in Canada, founded by, among others, Jade Raymond. We were really impressed with their ambition level with their creative vision. And I think bringing them in-house actually enables us to help create a studio to help stand up a studio much faster and much more rigorously than keeping them external. So the idea that we're taking teams off the market is not necessarily true. It's sometimes quite the opposite that we're helping come to life. New studios that are going to deliver wonderful new experiences to the PlayStation community. That's interesting. It is a bit of a clickbaity title because it sounds like they're saying that, buying and acquiring new studios will not necessarily mean that they're taking their games exclusive any longer. But I get what he's saying, that they're not taking established, predominant developers off the market every single time, and that sometimes their acquisitions are going to be studios that have had a close, mostly exclusive relationship with PlayStation or studios that are new up and coming and have never belonged to the industry as a whole anyway, because they never put out a, a product before PlayStation mm-hmm. chose to invest and acquire them. It's yeah. an interesting. I mean, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised by people like deviation and ballistic moon even being uh, targets for acquisition. But honestly, I feel like it was just a comment to kind of poke at Microsoft. And when square Enix is ready to sign on the dotted line, Herman Holst is not going to apologize for his comments. You know what I mean? Like we already said, everyone's a hypocrite eventually. Right. And I don't even and know. Every that makes, company is just trying to make what makes the most and sense. And let's be me. honest, if I was if I was Sony, I would buy Square Enix and let them release on Nintendo too. And then you're still doing exactly what he said. So who cares? It's true. That's true, because you're also not adding the the flavor of releasing games anywhere, 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 everywhere, any device, whatever. Um, what I also think is interesting there is he's not necessarily wrong on that, too, because if they buy Square, since Square has pruned most of their Western studios, which is where their, their multi-platform business really lived for the most part, if you look at Square's Japanese division, it is a largely PlayStation-oriented business. Mm-hmm. with a secondary pretty strong holding in Nintendo, like you mentioned. So buying Square Enix would still not really be fully removing a team from the market. But in a way, again, as long if if they just said, hey, we're buying and we're going to let them keep releasing on Nintendo for games that make sense for Nintendo, in many ways they're holding up to what they are currently claiming to be their stance. Uh, but... As we all say, if Sony finds a position where they're going to benefit from something and it spits in the face of what they've already said, they're not going to care. 
Mm-hmm. But even then, I think what's important is it doesn't matter if two years from now they do something that goes against what Herman Hall said today. No. What matters is how they frame what they do in the time of. And that's the big difference between the Xbox thing. If it was that if it was that Phil said something like, you know, anywhere, anytime, any device two years ago, and then right now, today, as part of this Activision thing, they said, listen, we want people we've decided we want people to be able to play any game on any device as long as it's at least through us because we are the reason these games are happening. That's very different than putting out a propaganda website that mm-hmm. states that you're going to be able to put play these games anywhere, but you're not. And so if Sony make the exact same statement in line of, we're buying Square Enix, but also we want you to be able to play games anywhere, everywhere, and on any device then they're hypocrites at that moment as well. But that's because you're being a hypocrite in the moment. You're not being a hypocrite to your two-year-old self, <laughs> you know, your, your two-year earlier previous version. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite. Chris, you're a hypocrite to your two years previous self. 100%. You love the Outer Worlds. You and love Red, Red Dead. Dead Redemption. I was about to say, there's a better example. <laughs> so... You know, that's where we are. It's okay to eventually change your stance. But if you are actively playing Red Dead 2, loving it, and then still coming on this and being like, Red Dead 2 is a terrible game. I thought about it. <laughs> Consider it. it. I'm like, no, fuck that. Yeah. It's how uh, you know I'm a real one in the industry, dog. Real yeah. one. All right. So last piece of news. Finally, some of Sony's development projects leaked recently if a document making the rounds is to be believed. It appears the document might be a bit outdated, but the list is as follows. Horizon 2 and a Horizon DLC, along with a PC port with a to-be-announced developer. A Horizon 1 PS5 remaster, not remake. A Horizon Online multiplayer game for PC and PS5. All Gorilla and Decima, multiple Fire Sprite games, Horizon Call of the Mountain, and Heartbreak for PC and PS5. Heartbreak is listed as a survival horror uh, title running in Unreal. Now, interesting thing there, Chris, because you made this, and I actually didn't read the list. I had heard about it, but never got reading into it. Are you saying Horizon Call of the Mountain would be coming to PC? Is what the list is stating? I'll double check, but I'm not sure. I or think is I that just specifically Heartbreak. Heartbreak? I think I'm Heartbreak. Well, the reason I ask is because there's this really interesting part of me. <clears throat> I, I'm surprised that Sony has not yet to announce that PSVR 2 will be compatible with PC. To me, that makes sense considering they're pushing to the PC market. Just heartbreak. Okay. But because if, if the list showed that Call of the Mountain was supposed to be going to PC, at that point, I would think PSVR 2 is going to PC so long as this list is legitimate. Still up in the air as to whether this list is legitimate, but there's some good reason to think it's legitimate. But I did sign your list if you want to look at it. Okay, thank you. Uh, sure. Yeah, but the the other side of that is there's still time for Sony to announce that PSVR two is going to be compatible with PC, or to announce that they're going to update it to be compatible with PC. So long as the controllers connect to the headset and they don't have to connect to the system itself. If they don't connect to the PS5, if the if the headset is the control center of everything, there's zero reason it shouldn't be able to work on PC. So, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, let's see. Continuing the list, the now-confirmed Sackboy's Big Adventure on PC is listed along with what appears to be an open-world title from the studio for PS5 with multiplayer and no engine listed, codenamed 
Carbon. That's coming from Sumo Digital, same developer behind Sackboy's Big Adventure. Now, if you may remember Sumo Digital was purchased by Tencent, if I remember correctly. Um, not that long Yay. ago. And Sumo Digital's a pretty large studio. Uh, and I was curious to see if that meant more PS5 or more PlayStation collaborations out of them or not, because Sumo Digital have been making games for PlayStation for a while. They also did uh, Little Big Planet 3 for PS3, PS4. Mm-hmm. One of the few cross gen games from that era from first party. Right. So. Uh, let's see. Continuing, Lucid Games, who you may remember with Destruction All-Stars and a new project named, codenamed Red Star. Given the num- rumblings around Lucid, Red Star could very well be the rumored Twisted Metal game that we now know has been moved to Fire Sprite. Housemark and Returnal coming to PC, which makes sense with everything Sony has said so far. Koei Tecmo and the now-revealed Rise of the Ronin. Kojima Productions and an open-world project known as Ocean, as Chris hinted at earlier, using Decima Engine and out for PS5. Many people are thinking that this is Death Stranding 2 with all of the information that we have. Though wouldn't it be wild if it turns out that there's not only Death Stranding 2 coming exclusively to PlayStation, but yet another game. At that point, you'd have to ask yourself, how many development teams does Kojima Productions have? (laughs) Because it's basically, unless I'm mistaken, and Chris, if I am, please correct me, but Hasn't it basically been confirmed that there is a Kojima Microsoft game? Wasn't that part of the Summer Games Fest or whatever? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I just want to make sure I didn't misremember. Yeah. He was on there, and that was the game mm-hmm. that we talked about earlier where I said, technically nobody said that's exclusive. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Which I don't remember him giving a name, so we can assume no. it's overdosed, but maybe not. They literally just said, we're making a game together, dog. Yeah. <laughs> Using That's, the power of the cloud. Right. We yeah. have welcomed the wonderful Hideo Kojima to the Xbox family. That's what, that's what Phil said. You know, the, the thing about this is, is that there's every chance in the world that the game, and it's probably the most likely outcome, realistically, that the game that they announced there is just the Google Stadia project. Move yeah. to Xbox because both of them are cloud. I agree. I do have something I want to say about the Kojima game, okay? So, okay. you know about the ocean, right? You've seen the ocean, right? You've seen it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brett, what color is water? Blue. Right. And if you really think about it, the ocean is a big box. Containing fish, water, sand, boats, Mm. guys named Joey sleeping with the fishes. Somewhere deep down in the muck Mm -hmm. of all of that. Yeah. Nice. It's abandoned. Right. I'm just saying, ocean, water blue, ocean is a box, blue box game studios. I love how you chose to make the ocean a box instead of just using the ocean as water and saying it's going to play on the console, which is a box. (laughs) (laughs) No, that would be too lame. You went the most ridiculous version is that the ocean is a box. The ocean is a box. Where the ocean is a box. What do we mean by box here? What do you mean by box? Is a box box a container? Because if so, the ocean is a container for all the wildlife and 
A box is objectively a container. How are we having a semantics argument about a container? Oh, because it depends on what you mean by a box. What do you? If, so, what? if you ask, listen to me right now. If, if, if you ask somebody to bring you a box, yeah, <laughs> hear me out. If you ask somebody to bring you a box and they brought you a Tupperware container, would you be like, yeah, it's a box? <laughs> I would. I would say you're technically they brought right, you but a, you're being. They brought an you asshole. one of those yellow stained. You know, you know how like when you put spaghetti mm-hmm. in like a Tupperware container and it just yes. fucking stains the shit out of it. Yes. If somebody brought you a little. You know, two inch tall by four inch wide, fucking two by four by four Tupperware container. When you ask for a box, mm-hmm. you, you're just gonna be like, "Yeah, absolutely, it's one hundred percent what I wanted." If it worked, then yes. <laughs> but if I was trying to put a TV in a Tupperware, that would not be the box I'm looking for. These are not the boxes you are looking for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right, fair <laughs> enough. You know Hassan what is Karaman happening is in the blue, ocean? Is, this is Kojima. What's happening in the ocean? <laughs> I was about to say, well, who, Hassan Karaman is swimming around deep in the ocean, lurking. <laughs> At this point, Hassan Karaman has been buried in the ocean, so who the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, I noticed that you say ballistic moon in this. You said it earlier as well, and I thought that it was that's no moon. So, did they rename themselves? No, those two different studios, Doc. Really? Yeah. Crazy crazy times. Recently leaked Ballistic Moon game is known as Project Bates and is listed as utilizing the Decima engine. Look at that. Decima engines like Sony's internal Unreal 5, which is kind of interesting because mm-hmm. they also have or Frostbite or Rage. Frostbite's probably a better Ari engine example except for that ea literally makes sure every game that comes out of a first party like you know from their own own studios is on frostbite they don't give a shit even if it doesn't Um, work for what they're trying to make yeah anthem frostbite dragon age inquisition frostbite plans for zombies garden warfare unreal engine 4 (laughs) (laughs) oh man anyway uh so we don't exactly know what that is but PS, PC, PS5, so following the idea that this is very likely a games-as-a-service game. Lastly, Camden, done by Sony London, and is listed as a games-as-a-service for PC and PS5, reinforcing what Chris and I... Chris said it, and I've long supported it, that it makes the most sense for games-as-a-service games from Sony to not only hit PlayStation, but also computer. Why also, not make as big of a, of a thing as you can? What's up? Project Bates is a survival horror game. I just didn't put really? that in there by accident. Yeah. So this may not be <clears throat> something that Sony's necessarily funding. Well, they are funding. It. Who's to say just a survival re- horror game can't be games as a service? Well, remember, Ballistic Moon is made up of supermassive devs. Mm, that's right. I do remember that now. Supermassive. That's the one. Until Dawn Studio. Yeah. Until Dawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah. Supergiant so, is a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. similar name. Uh, yeah, okay. What I was going to say is you're most likely right that it's it's probably just Sony offering, hey, make it exclusive for console and we'll, we'll back it, um, which makes sense. Um, but also, there are survival horror games as a service. So, I mean, Dead by Daylight is arguably survival horror games as a service, right? Mm, Would you disagree sure. with that? 
Not necessarily. I think it would be stra- a stretch, but I don't disagree. Well, it's horror-based. The goal of the game is to survive, and they constantly add new maps, new people, and everything. Every box that I can imagine would qualify for games as a service is being checked. So I'm going to count that in the win box for me. Take it. Take your dub. I'll take that dub. Uh, Okay. Well, that is the end of the news that we have. Um, Chris, what do you think the chances are that this list is real? And why? Because earlier you said you think there's good reason as to why you think it is real. I think it's real because the leak also lists um, all of the people working, lists um, the lead engineers, support engineers, and these are all real Mm -hmm. people. So I have a, I'm pretty confident that it's real list. Not to mention, fair enough. Project Ronin's on there, or Rise of the Ronin's on there, which I don't even know if I heard you say. Um, we know Sackboy is coming out, mm-hmm. so a lot of the, the real question, is already confirmed. Horizon Two has been the, out. <laughs> the the real yeah the real question here is whether or not this list was leaked prior to Rise of the Ronin and um, Sackboy's Big Adventure PC reveals or not, <clears throat> and I do not know the answer to that. But I think if this before. list came before both of those, then there's a very good chance that this is real. They are okay. Rise of the Ronin is a little different. Sackboy Big Adventure PC is a fairly educated guess to make. Clearly, Sony's had interest in getting every game that they can onto PC. The only game I'm surprised that we still haven't heard anything of, I'm expecting a Demon Souls uh, PC announcement soon. I could also see that being the one game that they choose to keep exclusive to PS5 because there is a it's, it's a small niche pool, but it's a pool nonetheless. As we know, because... Part of the reason that Blake got a PS5 was to play Demon Souls. Mm-hmm. So it, it can be a strong pull for a small segment of the industry. What's crazy is I'm pretty sure Demon Souls remake has already outsold Bloodborne. <laughs> I kind of want to check that. Probably. So as of September 2021, it sold 1.4 million. Yeah, less than a year. Uh, and I think that Bloodborne was counted. I'm, I'm going to see if I can figure that out. <clears throat> Bloodborne sales numbers. Well, I swear I saw it somewhere. Sold over 22 million copies in 2015. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, no, it didn't. As of September 2015, it came out in, what, wasn't it 15? Uh, Like March of 2015? Bloodborne did all right. Bloodborne did numbers for the context of the series at that point in time. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Chris. Brett? The real question here. First one, I guess, to get out of the way is, is there anything else within this that you want to talk about? Um, no, there's so. there's one in particular that we haven't talked about, and that is the controversy, the outrage, the uproar, whatever you want to call it, in relation to Horizon. 
getting a PS5 version, a PS5 remaster, as far as the list is concerned, which this is the list that's, that procked the rumors that everyone said. It's getting a remake already. I get it. I get it. I get the Horizon is one of the least necessary games for a remake. So I understand that. But that's also getting upset about something that's not even what the league claims. So the real question here is, do you feel like and have you seen, because I've seen a lot of people talk about remake, but do you feel like or have you seen people getting up in arms about it being a remaster? And no, I think, do you agree at any point <clears throat> about it being unnecessary for there to be a remaster for, for it? I mean, I think it's uh, unnecessary because I don't really like Horizon as a series personally. But yeah, I also think that I think that people just got up and armed because they assumed that it was a remake. A remake, and that I don't even think Sony is that insane. Like they're doing some weird shit. Like objectively, The Last of Us kind of weird. But fine. However, this was always a remaster. It says it in the leak, and then people took this leak and said it's a remake. It's like, no, it says remaster right here. Like, I was expecting to look at that list and be like, in parentheses, remake slash remaster. But no, it literally just says remaster. So I don't know where anyone got remake. It seems like people are just complaining to complain because they want to. And I don't like that. Well, I think it's just because The Last of Us remake is such a recent point of contingency that they're assuming immediately when they hear this, they're thinking, ah. And, you know, another thing that didn't help is a a lot of people talk about The Last of Us Part 1 as a remaster still. I've heard a lot of people say it's essentially a remaster. It's not entirely wrong. I guess I don't, it's kind of weird, you know. It's a weird conversation to have because I mean it is the same game, basically, with new character models and stuff put in, but also new AI. Like I consider it a remake, but I think the line between remakes and remasters has been a little blurred as of lately. Um, because at what point, when something is the exact same game, like you know, Demon Souls remake. Someone the other day uh, posted this thing talking about how the there's they were able to use a PS5 that had been you know hacked or whatever to dig into the Demon Souls files and find that there's a PS3 version of Demon Souls on the disc in the files. And first of all, that's not a surprise. If you did any kind of looking into that game, Bluepoint made multiple mentions that their process is to get the original game running on PS3 on PS5, so essentially building a bespoke emulator for that game to get it running on PS5, and then use their engine to inject stuff on top of it so that you play basically the same game, just with new interactive layers between what you see and what the code says. And yet, people are looking at that and going, well, wait a minute, does that mean that this is just essentially a remaster? And I mean, technically it is. It's just built on top of the same game, just with new graphics. It's not built from the ground up technically it's just built from a working version of the game up and as much as they want to say otherwise i'm pretty sure that's exactly what the last of us remake is it's the same game getting to run on ps5 and then just being like now we're going to change a bunch of shit on top of it but we're still building it on the skeleton of the last of us right because why why there's no gameplay updates and the ai is not any different like because it's just a up res basically 
Yeah, I mean, the AI is slightly smarter. I mean, there there are changes, and the same thing can be said of Demon Souls, right? The care, there are more. The physics work differently, even though it's the same game. They interject new physics in because the old physics weren't cutting it. They and they do all sorts of things. They put new animations for every attack and movement and swing and everything. The old ones are still there, but they wanted something that looked smoother and better, but still felt and kept the pacing of the original. That doesn't mean that it's suddenly a ground-up remake, even if everything was changed. It's still running on top of a code base that's the original game, and they're just tweaking it as they see that they need to. Uh, so that's what I mean by, I think, remasters and remakes kind of being a blurred line, because a remake blurred is essentially line. that. <laughs> All right, calm down there. Um, <laughs> what was his name again? Mar- Marvin Thick? No, Robin Thick. Yeah, Robin Thick. Yeah, it's Alan Thick's son, right? Yeah, and he stole the song from Marvin Gaye. <laughs> I did not know that. Um, yeah, you lost a court case about that. Anyway. Oh wow! Uh, but yeah, going back to that, I mean, <clears throat> think of think of every game that has been considered a remake, basically, and think about if you listen to the process that they talk about, it's exactly what I'm talking about. If you look at the Spyro Reignited trilogy. They consider that a remake, right? They literally talked about building a tool that allows the game code to be from the PS1 games to be read and extrapolated and re and used underneath everything that they put that is new. The Crash Bandicoot games, they had less to work with, but they basically took as much as they could get from the original game to get it working and then built everything on top of that. They are essentially very complex remasters. But they do deserve a different moniker than just remaster. Because if you just said, hey, we remastered Crash Bandicoot, you would expect to just see the exact same game with higher resolution graphics. That's basically it. You'd be like, okay, I'm playing Crash 1 in 4K with maybe a few character models slightly swapped out. But no, this is you know completely redrawn, physics reworked. So it's, it's an interesting standpoint. Um, what do you think about... Cause, you never really got in the Monster Hunter, right? I mean, you no. kind of tried. I tried. What do you th- What do you think about Horizon becoming a multiplayer game? Uh, I'd rather they do SOCOM. <laughs> well, the reason I even bring this up is that doesn't mean they're not doing SOCOM or well. a shooter game of any point. Uh, that's the first thing. Secondary, there's a lot of what I would call Monster Hunter influence in Horizon to me. I've always felt that way from the first game. I felt like the second game actually kind of took a little bit of that away. But if they could find a way to essentially Monster Hunter Horizon up, I think that could be really successful. The only problem that they face right now is that there's that game of, uh, what was it called? Uh, Ever Everwild? And that what it was called that they recently announced where it's no, oh no that's uh, sorry. <laughs> Every while is rare. True uh, hearts, something hearts, true hearts. wild hearts? That sounds also wrong. Actually, that may exactly be it. Wild hearts monsters will make you feel threatened, even the cute ones. Yes. So this is the one that's like I don't want to call it Fortnite building, but for lack of a better term, Fortnite building in Monster Hunter. Yeah, <laughs> but point being is, uh, there's first of all, Capcom is eventually going to make another console Monster Hunter because World was a massive success. Then you have Omega Force coming in, 
and doing Wild Hearts with EA. And then you run into this standpoint where if Sony were to try and make a similar game, they'd probably do better than Wild Hearts because it's an established IP. But do they run the risk of trying to compete with actual Monster Hunter? So if not, what kind of game is multiplayer Horizon? That's always like, I feel like the multiplayer or games as a service type ideas for games should always try and exist within what feels right for the world. And I feel like what feels right for Horizon is something where you work together to take down giant things as a team. Honestly, it sounds like either that or a battle royale. One of the two. Which, if you had to, if if you had to pitch, right? Since this clearly came to your head, what would be your quick pitch for how Horizon would work as a battle royale for you? Does it, genuine curiosity. I'm sorry. Could you repeat? Yeah, like it, since you brought up that it could work as a battle royale, like in your head, as close as you can from a quick pitch, what would be? How do you think Horizon would work? as a battle royale. Cause I, I personally don't see it not say it can't be done. I just, I don't have an inkling that even would lead me to say that, you know what I, I mean? I could just see like you're setting a bunch of traps and to me, bow and arrow combat works better as a battle royale. Like you wouldn't want a team deathmatch mode where half the lobby is just going, uh, you know, strafing back and forth and missing arrow shots. But I feel like if that was happening in a battle royale, that would make a lot more sense. You know what? I'll give you credit. You saying that and actually me thinking about back in midweek when we did the actual movie Battle Royale. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of a Battle Royale game that's far more about being hunting and and yeah, $100 a month. You get us there, guys. We'll make we'll bring midweek back. <laughs> I'm bringing uh, midweek back. Now, to be yeah. fair, Chris, that does, that does come down to us being able to put up the community goal, which requires... Requires a little bit of stuff. So mm-hmm. that's not on them. We can't get to 100 until we can give them bona fide reason to get to 100. That's not just our word, but some You're text right. on a HTML line. I'm just page. saying there's <laughs> 60 episodes out right now that you go listen to. Hey, that's true also. Um, but yeah, going back to that, that movie kind of plays into that idea of like, you know, traps being set and convincing people to do things. I kind of do like the idea of a battle royale that is not a, it's not like this isn't true of other games. Like in, in call of duty and apex, I'm sure that hiding away and sniping and being slow and steady gives you benefits and setting minds and stuff. Not to say that it doesn't exist, but I think when you pull away guns and you go towards bows and arrows and more rudimentary traps, there's an interesting idea to be had of, working towards luring people into like net traps and stuff so that you can get them up and shoot them and they have to try and react. So maybe I'll give you that, Chris. You've you've inspired an idea in my head when there wasn't one. Look at you That's go. That's what I thought. Um, okay. Well, is there much else with the list that you feel like you... Uh, I, I don't mean, have much else. That's worth talking about on here? I mean, Twisted nah. Metal, maybe. Twisted Metal School. Games of the Service? I think right? for all of this, I just want to see what happens. I don't have much, you know. I've been that's saying fair. for a while, I think the games of the service is like 90% MLB the show, which is fine with me. So, As that number keeps going up, though, I feel like that percentage has to be going down. Oh, for sure. I'm just saying I think five of the games are MLB the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and whenever it was... So. 
Yeah, 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 for sure. So when you think about a, a three or four year window, whatever you want it to be, or a three year window, I'll say that four of your games, maybe for being generous, being MLB the show, still leaves eight games in this current count that are not. Yeah, true. So I think Twisted Metal makes a clear Twisted Metal. I as much as I don't want it to be. I can see a clear pathway towards it becoming a games as a service, maybe even a free to play games as a service. Uh, I mean, honestly, at this point, I think games as a service is kind of synonymous with free. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for the moment, free to play. Know. The divisions, the division exists. I think there's a That's lot. That's true. Of well, but see, I feel mm, you're technically right because even though I feel like, for lack of a better term, this is where games as a service and the traditional MMO business model if if we're going to call those games games as a service that just means that games as a service have been around since warcraft since everquest since literally any game with a subscription that continues to add stuff over time you know what i mean and that is kind of why like as much as people look at destiny 2 as a games as a service and in many ways it hits all those points it's also just a it's a shooter mmo that's it it's all it's ever been True. MMOs are just not as popular on console. So they, and Activision definitely chose not to market it that way. I remember there was a point in time where they talked about whenever they got out from Activision, like, yeah, we're, we're very closely inspired by MMOs if we're not an MMO. Like, but Activision wouldn't let us say that because they didn't want us marketed as an MMO. But I think there's a big difference personally between them. <laughs> But you're not you're not wrong in the sense of there are paid games that still try and act under the auspices of what the pillars of games as a service is. So. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see, um, but I do think in a lot of senses it, it'll be games as a service. But I wouldn't put or it'll be free. But I wouldn't put it past Sony to try and make a not free games as a service game. So we'll see. Arguably, they've done this with Drawn to Death. <laughs> that worked out well. And that was, they did that with Drawn to Death after they did not get the results they wanted from Killstrain and that one other game they released in that, in that kind of trio, and I can't remember what it was called. But there were three games that were all supposed to kind of be that type of smaller game that you play for a long time and it would be a games of the service before it was really called that. And then last minute they were like, we're going to offer this game for free on PS plus, but it's paid for otherwise. And it just didn't really work. Uh, um, so your hope is that Sony would have learned that lesson with that game in particular and not repeat it, but maybe, um, so here's my final question in regard to this, and then we can maybe even make this a community stake. See if you agree with that. Do you feel like <clears throat> Sony are going to try and break into games as a service with primarily new IP or primarily IP attached to existing popular franchises? Uh, I think they should do both, right? It makes a ton yeah, of sense. And I think to they do- will. But a, pr- what do you think their primary goal will be? 
our primary leaning? Probably, um, it probably, I, you know, established I No, I would think honestly, it probably makes a lot of sense to do new IPs because it make, you don't want to risk screwing up a, uh, established IP, like giving it a bad name, you know, by suddenly bringing it into a new arena. Yeah. Or just the game is bad. So it tarnishes the legacy. Like if Horizon Call of the Mountain is bad, that could tarnish Horizon 3, you know, probably not by much, but it's just an example. But so. yeah, but why take why take the risk if it right. harms your IP overall? Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, dude, we were talking about Sonic earlier, and Sonic has gone through a litany of games that have been wildly mixed reviewed. You know what I mean? And Sonic remains a very strong IP somehow. <laughs> like if, if if Sonic Frontiers, if if our draft was not about Metacritic but about money, I would actually think Sonic Frontiers is probably going to make pretty good money comparative to its series. I would I could agree with that, but we'll see. Um, I, I'm I'm torn between because like you know you were talking about SOCOM earlier, right? How you want them to do SOCOM, and I think we would both agree SOCOM would be an obvious choice for a Games of the Service title. Would you agree with that? I'm so sorry. What did you say? I, I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs> That's my fault. Earlier, you had mentioned whenever the Horizon multiplayer came up, you'd mentioned that you'd prefer them to be working on SOCOM. I think you and I would both agree that SOCOM would be a prime candidate for a games of service game, right? Correct. Yes. So in that sense, the reason I even wanted to ask you the question is because you've already kind of hinted at a lot of games being utilizing IP that already has a legacy. Mm-hmm. You talk about MLB The Show, you talk about, we talk about Twisted Metal, which that was kind of more of a, a group thing. We both said that, but then you you clearly mentioned SOCOM as well. I did. And that's kind of why I'm curious. Like ha- Half of the 12 games you're accounting for being in series that you're already familiar with and that have already been out. So my question would be whether the other six would, uh, whether you would already lean towards the majority becoming new IP or, or established IP. I, I guess think they're going to take like a 60, 40 or a 70, 30 ish split where they're going to do the, the majority be it 65% of the games being known IP and 35% being new IP that they can take more risk with because I do agree that there's a risk calculation with bringing known franchises and IP into a, an, an unheard realm. But then I think there's also games that are in known IP that the jump is not that far. I think SOCOM already had a game like that. There's a game on PS3 called SOCOM Confrontation that was online only. And in many ways, it was essentially the idea of a game as a service before games as a service. Sure. So if you just take that IP and make a few changes and give it a battle pass and things like that, SOCOM is an easily convertible IP. It's a shooter. So, yeah. Yeah. Arguably, arguably Killzone is. But I only think one shooter is going to become their shooter games as a service. I may be wrong. Well, no, I I think... 
A, I think they could do easily have a generic Call of Duty like shooter in maybe Killzone and a hardcore Rainbow Six like shooter in SOCOM and be two different things. But I guess I also didn't think, I think of Resistance might be the IP for that, by the way. For what, your casual game? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're picking one. I think it's Resistance or Killzone. You know, yeah. personally. I just think Killzone, Killzone has a legacy of people expecting it to feel a certain way. And every entry has felt heavy, and a lot of people talk about how they don't like that. Yeah, but so I think if you're looking for a casual game, you're going to do better with Resistance, which not only was a more popular IP, but sure, but also I think by casual, I just mean you don't die in one shot. Yeah, I understand what you mean. So I just still think of the two, the one that honestly has more IP power is probably Resistance. Surprisingly, Resistance yeah. is also known for massive. Battles. Either way, remember Resistance Two is sixty-four player multiplayer. I never time when that was like unheard of. Ah, um, (laughs) (laughs) for me, I think the big thing I was thinking when you said established IPs, I was thinking stuff like Uncharted, The Last of Us. You know, well, we already know The Last of Us is one of them, right? And that's fair. That is coming. I think there's a difference between IPs they're currently making stuff with and reviving a dead IP. There's no harm That's in fair. reviving a dead IP. There is mm-hmm. harm in tarnishing the uh, Horizon's name. There's harm in ti- there's harm in tarnishing Sackboy's name. Mm-hmm. So you know, if they made a God of War games as a service and they didn't fucking nail it, they would they would mess with that game. You know, but I don't mm-hmm. think you know a, a bad games as a service killing a dead franchise doesn't matter. So I hope that... Yeah, you're not wrong. It's not like there's been a SOCOM in 10 years. Right. So if you come out with a SOCOM and it doesn't really do well... And Sony murdered another 10 that years before it comes so. out with a gulag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Give it one shot, one opportunity to seize everything that ever mattered. One moment. Yeah. Will do I need to get my guitar real quick? Yeah, get your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the outro for the show. Us doing a folk singing of uh, "Lose Yourself." This guitar is barely even in tune, man. Uh, if you you've been sitting here for three and a half hours listening, this is going to be you, a great. You, you ready? You ready? Yeah. Ah, uh, you ready? Ah. Uh, uh. Sneeze weak. His arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. But he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. The whole crowd flows so loud, opens his mouth, but the words won't come out. He's choking now. Everybody's laughing at him because he forgot the words of the song. <laughs> Time's up, open, plow, snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, he lasted goes. longer than I anticipated. If I'm so being honest, it, it I'm was proud of way you. longer than I thought I was going to last. But I'm like, well, I, yeah. I keep remembering the lyrics, so I'm going to keep going, and then I forgot, and then I remember it again. All right. Well, what do you think about the uh, the community's take being essentially guesses on what we think the uh, the games as a service games will end up being? Yeah, that works for me. Or do you have a more fun one? I don't really care what it is. I mean, we can also, I, I think that there's a potentially interesting answer about uh, community's take in regards to how CD Projekt Red chose to announce essentially 
the next phase of CD Projekt Red, whatever you want to call it. Um, but basically how games get announced and if there's a preferred way and if this is something that people like, uh, kind of mimicking what the movies industry. So do you, do people I, I'm going like, to dealer's uh, choice this up to you. What do you think? I like the, do, do you like the, would you like to see more games go with a Marvel style announcement for their slate or would you prefer the waiting game? Okay. I think that's a good one. I think both of them, I, I'm a little, I think this one's probably a little bit better off because some people just don't like playing guessing games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I get, fair. I get. It's, it's like, why are you going to spend too much time trying to figure out what games are going to be announced when the reality is, is that we're probably all going to be very surprised by the time that that ends up happening. And but. very goddamn old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then again, by the time that this third Witcher game comes out in six years, my ass. Um, <laughs> that, that also depends on when the first one comes out. So, we'll see. Chris. Hi. Which one's coming out first? CD Projekt? Oh, sorry. A Cyberpunk sequel or The Witcher sequel? Witcher. Fair call. Is that another bet? You got to put, you got to put some, nah. (laughs) (laughs) If I keep betting, regardless, it's just, there's that impending sense of I could potentially owe hundreds of dollars. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) I'm good. I don't tend to bet. I've just been having fun betting on the show. But honestly, that $100 is above what I usually would do. I don't even, I don't buy, I bought one scratch off in my life because I turned 18 and someone gave me a dollar. And I thought, okay. <laughs> and you won. I, and you I scratched it back. off. I scratched off. I lost. And I said, I'm glad I didn't use my dollar for that. <laughs> I'm and I've never bought another it. one. Yeah, it's not worth it. Never, Every once in a while, I get like a hankering to buy one just to see. You know, because there's that allure. You, there's like, oh, I could get you, you $5,000 know, for the rest of my life a month. I could. You know what I wish? I wish I had the optimism and joy of the people who do buy those. Because I used to work with some cats who, dude, the, the, the sense of excitement was palpable. And it was exciting watching them do it. And I could never bring myself to do it. But one time, David scratched off and won like three grand in the back of the kitchen. He was our cook. Mm-hmm. And he was hype. Oh, I bet he walked <laughs> off of that shift. <laughs> I don't remember, actually. Dude, if I, I think it might have been the I end of his shift. Off. I would have been like, I'm sorry. I'm good. I got two weeks worth of pay. I'm out more than that. <laughs> like, I'm going. Yeah. Because this was like 2012 or you know, oh, 2013. God, a month of pay. So this, this man had way more pay. Yeah. Dude was making 725 <laughs> an hour. He's like, holy yeah. crap. I just won the lottery. Literally. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap this show up. If you've been around, I did want to make this a thicker episode, which as long as we had the ability to do so, and we we seem to get there. So if you like them long, first of all, get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, if you like them uncut, again, mind out of the gutter, guys. And uh, here you are. You have two weeks, hopefully, worth of episodes, as you may see fit oh, yes, uh, to, to listen to. And we're going to leave you with a community state question about how uh, CD Projekt Red kind of announced a slate of games and whether or not you want to see other companies copy that or not. Remember, if you want to become a patron and get a cool sticker of Triangle Squared that you can put on your car, it's a decal, actually. You know, it's nice, vinyl colored, beautiful. You can see it on our Patreon over at patreon.com slash nartech. And you can get one for just joining for $5 a month. Or you can just join us for a dollar a month. Be super cool. Join the Discord to get a colored name. Up to you, man. 
You can be a square or you can be a triangle or you can be a narwhal. Go find out what I even mean by those things by going to our Patreon, patreon.com slash nartech. But we're going to wrap this show up and we'll see you guys next week for 280. Man. So, Chris, thank you for joining me as always. (laughs) You're welcome, my friend. And without further ado, we're going to wrap this show up by thanking our patron Stingray X. It's a sin to win, a.k.a. Sean, Aztec King, Leechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Christopher, Danny Villalobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Sanderud, Stephen Salazar, and last but certainly not least, Shadowist. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.